What's up, everyone? Welcome to Sifted's Best of E3 2019 Awards. It's been a long week. Mm. <laughs> it has been a long week. You narrowly avoided a much more somber Best of E3 episode. Yeah, well, you may have avoided not getting to watch our Best of yeah. E3 Awards. Uh, I'm not going to get into it too much on the show because I shot a uh, Day 3 E3 Diary yesterday. I just haven't had time to post it yet that explains everything. But I'm sure everyone knows by now that my car was stolen at E3. Uh, my wife and I ended up finding the car downtown later that night. I wouldn't say no harm, no foul because I probably lost about six years of my life uh, throughout the course of that day. But a great result. Uh, I do want to thank Ed Boone on the show because Ed Boone... Basic. First, he retweeted the fact that my car had been stolen and asked people to help. And then he said if anybody found the car, he would release one of the two remaining DLC characters for Mortal Kombat 11. And I can't even, I can't even put into words how much I appreciate something. That's just insane that he well, would the, do that. Well, the worst thing is if anybody gone to look, like, it was like pretty close. They could have yeah. found it. We could, we could have that DLC character. Yeah. So that's. Look, this is none of my business because I have nothing to do with Mortal Kombat and Ed is his own guy and he can do whatever he wants. But my personal opinion is he should not have to release the character. Everybody thinks just because it was found that he should release a character. But mm -hmm. he basically he was saying if you help find it um, and nobody did like my, my wife and I just drove downtown and we found the car. Um, so, again, it's not really my place to say, but. You know, people are like now you know, all over him saying, oh, you should release a character. Like Matt said, the ironic part of it all is, and again, I appreciate everyone's help on Twitter to help find it. It was amazing. In fact, it's one of the best uses of Twitter I've ever seen in my life. But the truth is, is that if people, if anyone had just taken five minutes and actually got in their car and drove around, they actually would have found it just like we did. Uh, I couldn't do that because I didn't have a car and I had to wait for my wife to get off work so we could use her car to go look for it. But instead, people sat on the internet and just typed for six hours. Somebody could have gotten mm -hmm. their car and in five minutes found the car. Which is understandable if you're not in L.A. Right, course, right, totally. But, but I'm, I'm assuming there were thousands of people in L.A. that were a part of that. So uh, thanks to everybody who retweeted stuff and replied. And people were DMing me with like really awesome like like tips on how to find my car. People were sending me... Uh, Links to Craigslist where people were putting parts up for cars like mine. It was just amazing. Um, so I just want to thank everybody who helped in any way to do that, especially Ed Boone, Vin Zampella, Morgan Webb. A lot of people jumped in to help, and I really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate all you guys, too, because you were retweeting it. And uh, it was what a day. <laughs> what a day. What a roller coaster of emotions just all day long. Um, Lost a day of production of E3 stuff. I think you saw that yesterday. You got that avalanche of content from us. Um, and all that stuff would have went up on Thursday if this hadn't happened, but you got it on Friday instead. There's still some more stuff coming from E3. I'm still working on the, my hit list piece. Uh, there's a big photo gallery coming from E3 and some other stuff. Uh, but thank you guys for your support during the show. You guys have been amazing. Um, I want to thank our curators who did a bang up job. First of all, Vincent is a freaking rock star. Uh, we had like five or six people that were supposed to help with curation and like I jumped in on the second day and like people, no, it was like all Vincent. Um, some people did jump in. I want to mention Thiche. 
He did a lot of curation. Uh, a couple other people helped out here and there. Burkhal did some stuff. Um, but mostly it was Vincent. And so, Vincent, man, thank you very much. You did an amazing job. Getting ready for this show, I was using our E3 hub. And I just can't understand why anyone would use anything else. I just can't. It is freaking awesome. Like, you can get a good idea of the whole show using that. Like, like we were looking at genres. Like, you can see what genres were just completely absent from E3 2019. Mm -hmm. Just using our hub and the sifting mechanics. It was so, a rough year for fighters. Fighters, driving games. We're going to get to all that. So, anyway... Thanks to anyone who helped in any way during E3. It uh, went great for us. Um, I think it was a good show, and we're going to talk about general impressions first before we get into the awards. But just want to take a minute to thank everyone who helped with my car and with stuff on the site. Uh, I love you all, and I can't put into words how much I appreciate it. So let's talk about E3 mm -hmm. 2019, Matt. What are your overall impressions of the show? I would say just by, just through anecdotal evidence on the internet, that I was higher on the show than most. Uh, seems like it, yes. Yeah. Um, I thought it was an interesting transitional year, and by transitional, I mean downward. <laughs> um, I think, I think uh, if trends continue, we will look back on this year as the sort of beginning of the end. Um, it was weirdly empty a lot of the time. The first day was um, really empty. First day was. Second, I mean, I will also give them credit. So the second day, they did something new. Uh, it was industry only from 9 to noon. And then they let the public in at noon. But they kept the show floor open till 7. 7. I appreciated um, that, actually. Which was like, I think that was probably, a, that was overall a really good move. Because we got to do, we got a lot of stuff done, what I was doing for my, my reason I was at the, at the show. Um, and it got, got done pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And then um, the public came in, and you could see everything kind of fill up as they came in. Uh, but you did have a thing where, I mean, literally, I was standing out front, out front of um, the Bethesda booth when the public got let in. And uh, previously, you could kind of just sort of wander in and play uh, Wolfenstein and Doom mm -hmm. uh, however you wanted. And then five minutes later, the lines were capped. Yeah. Um, because there's just so many people... I mean, that's what they're there for. That's what they want to do. But, like, they still quite aren't quite at the ability to handle the number of people that are attending this in terms of the general public. And while I don't, you know, I don't begrudge the people who want to come, I wonder, and we didn't really talk to general people, you know, general admission people this year. Um, at least I didn't. Um, I wonder if the people who paid to come again, are feeling like they got to do all the things they wanted to do. Because sometimes it was just like uh, Thursday morning, uh, they opened the doors to everybody at 9. There was no industry hours because Thursday is sort of a, you know, a lot of industry leaves Wednesday night. Uh, so Thursday is kind of the general public go Thursday was rocking. Thursday was pretty pretty busy. Yeah. But like they opened the doors at 9, and by 9, like 08... Uh, the wait for Legend of Zelda was four hours. It was done. Yeah. And then by 9.15, they capped it for the day. Yep. And while I do question why someone would wait four hours to play a remake of a Game Boy game that comes out in four months. Um, they probably wanted swag or thought they were going to get swag. I don't think they were giving anything out. <laughs> they really they were, were. They were giving stuff out for Pokemon, but I don't yeah. think they were giving anything out for Link's Adventure. I mean, let's um, be honest. That's why most people go there. Like, they go to get free stuff that they can try to flip on eBay later on. Like... I'm sure you saw the hubbub about like the cyberpunk jackets and oh yeah the jacket thing was a big deal and then like I even some of the cyberpunk 
developers and the PR people were tweeting like, we're going to put like a similar jacket up for sale in our online store. Please do not pay a thousand dollars for these things. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, yeah, that, that was, I mean, also like CD Project. You want to see people get excited at E3? Act like you're going to give something away. Yeah. Well, also CD Project Red always has some of the best swag. Yep. Um, they, they have for a long time. Um, that was one of the coolest things yeah. on the floor. Was that Capcom's the ice dragons dragon. are always one of the highlights of yeah, the floor. Yeah, Capcom's always has a corner of their, their booth where like here's our here's your photo op and yep. like they always they always knock that one out of the park. Yeah. Um, but I would say it built. It's really weird. I've never seen it this way. Usually it's really busy on the first day and it dwindles. This year it was dead on Tuesday, okay on Wednesday, and then Thursday was rocking. Like all the lines were like around the booth. Uh, see, I think you were gone most of Thursday. Yeah, so uh, was my car. That's <laughs> that stopped around the time you left. Oh, really? Like it was real, getting real sad. Wow, by, by, interesting. By mid afternoon. Wow. Like, um, I'm guess I'm glad I didn't go back in. Like the only booths that really stayed populated, uh, like later on Thursday I, that I saw was Nintendo. And Fortnite, because um, Fortnite's fun as you're seeing right now. Yeah, Fortnite. I mean, Fortnite is, like is just so awesome. Fortnite's just like they see. I think Epic's smart because um, Fortnite was the first uh, booth, even last year, to really embrace the idea that E3 is now just a bunch of selfie opportunities. Yeah. Um, yep. They they. Tri- I mean, it's not just E3, Matt. Well, yeah, I know. It's but life. Like, Life is just a selfie opportunity. But I'm saying anymore. like E3 wasn't that before. No, it wasn't. And now that's yeah. what it, that is what it is, and uh, Epic recognized that and got out ahead of it before any. I'd say before anybody else, really, at least in terms of dedicating. But also because they don't need to show you Fortnite, really. Yeah, it's I mean like, everyone knows it's a known commodity. They're just there because if Fortnite isn't at E3, it's sort of like what the hell. And they're know? they're servicing fans. There's like giveaways right. and all that. And... No, there's always activity at the Fortnite booth, and uh, you you don't see a ton of reporting on it because it's not really news. Yeah, but like. The Fortnite booth is like pretty much the most jumping place on the floor at this point. There was, and, and I don't, just, I don't mean that as a pun with a jumping <laughs> up and up. I mean like it. Like, there's always activity at the Fortnite booth. Yeah, you'll see at the end of this B-roll that overstuffed in the corner of the one hall, there was this stage where they just danced. Yeah, it was just like. What was that for? I, I think that was for an energy drink. It was like for raving. It was, it was like, <laughs> they it was, had all these I think ravers. It was, like, it was like G Fuel or something. It was, it, there was pictures of giant energy drink cans everywhere. So I think it was an energy drink. And then like. It was either for that or booty shorts. I yeah, don't know, yeah. Like, and their booth was always mobbed because oh, yeah. they were always giving stuff away. Yeah, there were t-shirts and uh, I think there were like tumblers. And there were, I mean, there, were, there was always some kind of thing they were tossing out to the crowd. It was like the old E3. It was yeah. happening there. Like, I went back a few times to grab, like, footage and, and like, took a photo of yeah. it. Like, it's crazy what was going the on The other thing, like, one of the, thing, the, the things I enjoyed the most were things that are not going to be on this best of list because they're retro stuff. Right, right. Uh, the retro stuff was here in force. It was because good, there's yeah. a lot there's a lot more room on the floor without, without Sony there. Uh, arcade 1-Up. Had a fantastic booth with all these like you know little arcade games with like various classic ones, and then they announced obviously their collections. They had the giant oversized uh, Marvel superheroes cabinet, um, which was very hard to play because <laughs> trying to do a three button combo with that, you have to use your whole arm like yeah. to hit all three buttons because they're huge. Um, but they have like the 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 the, the Marvel arcade which has uh x-men children of the atom marvel superheroes and the, the old punisher game by capcom which is an underrated beat-em-up classic uh which is great and then they showed they had star wars empire strikes back return of the jedi the old arcade games with the 
the old, you know that, that yoke controller. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually very seriously considering getting that because that you know you have, I have like versions of all those games on Saturn and and Dreamcast and and stuff, but. Uh, and like the Star Wars games are in the Rogue Squadron games on GameCube, but those games don't play right without that controller. Yeah, it's true. And like I'm think I'm really seriously considering that. So that was great. And um, you're right, the retro was strong in yeah, the show in the, general. The Sega Genesis uh, Mini they had there. They Everyone's also, they, freaking out about they that. They had a giant uh, Genesis controller you could mess with. Like that was cool. Um, that seems to be the retro trick now is like just to make a giant controller right. out of something. Yeah. Uh, Konami even announced a uh, TurboGrafx PC Engine Mini, which I, is something I never thought would happen. Um, there's, they haven't really uh, announced many games for that yet, but like that's a cool thing. Like uh, it's catching on. I'm glad the PlayStation Classic didn't kill that trend. Yeah, I was worried it could have. It, it definitely <laughs> could have. So you were talking earlier about. <laughs> yeah, here it is. <laughs> that's, this is yeah, the that's stage. the booth. Yeah. So you were talking earlier about the longevity of the show and. Mm-hmm. So you, you have a conflicting opinion with Pactor. Pactor on Pactor Factor on the show floor, he thinks the new president of the ESA is going to fix everything and get everybody back on board. Apparently the old president of the ESA, the industry hated him. Yeah, I knew that. I mean, if, I mean I'm sure Pactor knows the new guy better than I do. I've never m- even met the guy. So if he says that, then there's probably merit to it. But um, what I saw this year was like, I mean, partly it's also just like it's a it's a different generation there now. Yeah. I, you know, multiple times I looked around and I was literally the oldest person in I in I I shot. Oh, that happened like the whole time I yeah. was there. I mean, everyone there was from like eighteen to twenty three, yeah. probably. They're all they all have their phones up recording their walk through. With like, their selfie There's a stick. point at which you're like, I guess you're gonna get like three or four views each on this because everyone, everyone put one of those it. up. Yeah. Um, and you could just go home and watch someone else's much better shot version on YouTube. Right. That's what kills me about the con- like people that like film videos at concerts. It's like why you can go back and some dude has like some great camera with a little audio mic on it that's like direct feed mm-hmm. audio, and no one's gonna watch yours. You're not gonna watch yours. People don't <laughs> wa- even watch their own. Yeah. It's crazy. And it was interesting to see. Like, so I was with a camera crew most of the time, and they were all like mid twenties kids. Mm-hmm. And they're all really great, and we got everything done very well and efficiently. Um, but I was I was the only one who'd been before, so I was kind of leading them everywhere. I was you were uh, like the Pied Piper. I was the mother hen, <laughs> yes. Um, and like uh, it was interesting to see which things because they weren't like super game savvy. Yeah. But it was interesting to see like which ones they knew. Like they all knew Mortal Kombat. Well, yeah. Because How Mortal you Kombat. Not? Well. It's an old, I guess old you're game. Right. Yeah, I, like, guess you're right. I mean, you got to give credit to you know NetherRealm and Ed Boon to for making a game that came out 25 years ago still super relevant. Like every you know everyone knew who they were. Even these kids that grew up in the period which we would call maybe the dark ages of Mortal Kombat. It you know it's back and it's big and they all know what it is and they all wanted to do something at the booth. But it's like, um, it's there's nothing. It's, it's already out. Yeah. Like, but they did have a nice setup there. Yeah, they did. I was surprised at how much they dedicated to it. They were showing Shang Tsung, the, yeah. you know, as the new character and all that. Um, uh, but it was interesting to kind of like spend some time with with the younger set and see how they sort Their of viewed all this stuff. And, yeah. and uh and yes, they they all were very they're positive on very positive on Fortnite. Like yeah. it was it was <laughs> Fortnite yeah. is gaming to a lot of it the is, younger, yeah. younger crowd. It's become like Nintendo was when we were kids. Yeah, I mean, although Nintendo is still Nintendo to them too. Oh, really? Right? They also have a lot of respect for Nintendo, but um, yeah, it was a, it was a. I felt it felt like a shift of some kind, and maybe not a bad one. Maybe you know, it might just become more of a convention moving forward. Um, the question of getting everybody back on board is an interesting one. Um, 
there was a lot of empty space there. Like if you there went was. back behind in the hall, Nintendo's in. It was just a cavernous expanse. Oh, yeah. of I mean, there's nothing. usually like a place to sit back there, right. but it was bigger. Oh, it was like double the size yeah. normal, and all the booths that had filled in those spaces where Sony normally was, like they were all just junk. Like I never yeah. even walked over there really. Like I walked through there once to make sure I wasn't missing anything, and that was it. Like, I went through a couple times to see how things were going. Like the esports section was not heavily popular. It was mostly popular because it was a place to sit down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That 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 uh, you got to figure out something to put on the left side of that hall that uh, that that draws some attention. Well, hopefully next year it's PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd hope they come back to show off the PS5, but uh, I can't see any of the companies that were in that space being able to hold that. Space oh no, for if next Sony year, wants their space back. They it'll get, get it. Back. No question. Yeah, no question. Definitely. The question is whether Sony wants it back. Right. Yeah, I mean, Pactor's pretty confident. Like even before we shot the episode, we were walking to where we were going to shoot. He was very confident that they're going to come back. And he said not just like PlayStation, like everybody. So Even EA. Yeah. Like he said that like... If the, if the new guy can get EA to come back, like man's a miracle worker. Yeah. I mean, apparently the industry really hated the mm. old president. Um, and you're seeing when he... Now there were sto- the stories published about him and some of the stuff he was doing there. And, and so you're, you can kind of see it. But yeah, he's like... He's very confident that next year it will be back to where it is, plus yeah. with the next generation coming. and So we'll see. I'm not as, as confident as him. I answered that same question on Ask Shane Anything from the show floor, and I said on the show I could see it being worse next year. I absolutely could. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people are, you know, Sony's still there. Like, they're not there officially, but they're there. Like they yeah, are, no one forgot PlayStation is a thing. Yeah, they're, but I'm, they're, like, the people who work for Sony, they're walking on the show floor. Mm-hmm. Like, they're watching E3 to see what's happening. They're going to watch and see how Nintendo does because it was there. Um, so Nintendo was one of, one of the few publishers who really was there. I mean, yeah, yeah. Full Ninten- force. Nintendo felt present in a way that basically almost no one else did. Yeah. And partly that's because they're the ones, they're the ones that don't have a generational transition coming up. I mean, they're, they're in the, the they're in the cream of their generation because they're they're in year three and they're they're on all cylinders right now. The other hall was still good, like even though it was yeah. missing like Activision, which was always in the back and kind of weird anyway. Like yeah, um, but it was still mostly packed with great games and great publishers. And I yeah, spent was, pretty much all my time. It was there. a little weird that Activision was. I mean, Activision had meeting rooms. I think like they were they were doing they were showing Modern Warfare to, to, in private meetings. Yeah, same stuff they showed before, like in the pre three stuff. Um, they had the giant banner on the top of the convention center, yeah. but they just weren't... They, they didn't have a booth. If you were not an insider, they weren't you there. You wouldn't know that they were there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now that the whole show is wrapped up, what's your overall letter grade for E3 2019? Um, I mean, I'm, I'll probably give it like a C+. Um, some good stuff. Some... It wasn't a lot of bad stuff. It was just sort of, It just felt sparse. It just felt like it felt like everyone's holding their breath yeah. for next year. It's hard to give it a letter grade because it's hard to figure out what average is for E3 now. Yeah. Because is true. average us going back four years to when everybody was there? Or is it us yeah. going back to last year where people were missing our... I mean, is this the or average is it a, Or is it average in terms of like, well, you've maybe figured out what it is now. Right. It's, it's, there's like three different metrics you could grade it by. In terms of just grading it by what I saw and what I liked and, and what like... Yeah, in terms of what it made me feel like looking forward to the to the f- following year, um, and, ter- and in terms of presenting it, I give it a, I give it like a C plus because one of the things that annoyed me about it was 
uh, all the weirdos that did all the stuff about nitpicking the puddles in Spider-Man and the downgrades on this and that. Like, well, you won, guys, because yeah. no one wants to show Now they won't anymore. show their games anymore. So, good job. Then. I will say this, though, and we'll get into it a little later. There are, there are several high-profile games that watching their trailers and then seeing them being played, they look like different games. This is true. I mean, several. Mm-hmm. Where it is a stark difference. Like yeah. watching the trailers, you're like, wow. And then you go and play them, and you're like, this like, doesn't hmm. look like the same game. And we'll get into that. But anyway, so my, the, I guess I need to To me, to me most of the differences in that were, were mechanics related. No, for me, it was visuals, graphically. I didn't see much of that. I definitely did. Yeah. And if you start poking around and watching like some of the developer walkthroughs on Sifted, I think uh, you'll start to see some of those games that you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't look like how it looked at their press conference. Mm-hmm. So... Well, also, like, I don't care. So, like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm here to play it. I'm not here to look at it. I, mean, I, I, I appreciate really pretty graphics, but if you're, like, specular reflection on the puddle 14 feet away from my character, it's slightly different than it was in your E3 demo. I can't express how much I don't care about <laughs> I guess that. my point was some of them were still doing it. Right. They were still showing demos, and those demos did not look as good, and so there would have been fodder for those people, and there actually is mm-hmm. fodder for those people. To be jerks about it. Well, the at game's some point you got to show your game, so right, it's going right. to happen either way. Right, but I think the argument is that they're misrepresenting it a little bit in press conferences, and really what it is is they're just showing the PC version running mm-hmm. at full bore. Right, and then but they it's... end up showing like a version that doesn't run quite as well on the floor because they want it to run well. Right. Yeah. Well, like that's not new. Bullsh- the term bullshit bull is what <laughs> like fourteen years old yeah. at this point. Learn, yeah. you know. Get a helmet. Welcome you know, to the like, industry. Well, yeah, it's like, <laughs> welcome to marketing. Welcome to advertising. Clorox doesn't clean all that stuff off the way it does in the commercial either. Like, yeah. it's, the, the, you know, McDonald's hamburgers don't look like that when you get them in the wrapper. Like, it's like, yeah. that's, that's what life is. Yeah. So, so I'm, I think I'll give it a, I'll give E3 a B minus because I thought there was a ton of great games there. There were. I mean, even with us kind of winding down this generation, I think you can kind of see that there's really no such a thing as a generation anymore. Normally, like a year where you're waiting for the new consoles to launch, E3 is bad. Like bad, mm. bad, bad. Like there's like three games in every booth. Like well, we're I really think... not seeing that now because they all know that any game they're making now will run. They'll be on... able to carry it forward. Yeah, and I think that makes a big difference. Well, like, I mean, I, also, I think it would make a diff- It wouldn't make. It would be different even if. The backwards compatibility probably wasn't as prevalent, and carrying your library forward wasn't as prevalent because uh, this generation also established that you can always you always just remaster stuff, yeah, and yeah. release it again, and people will buy it. It's true. So yep. either way, like there's no reason like there in a, in a, in another time, I could see like Watch Dogs Three or Cyberpunk being held for the next gen systems, yeah, or being paid to hold for the next gen systems by the console manufacturers as an incentive to buy the new hardware. But I feel like that is not the attitude this time around. They're, 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 it's, a softer, it's a softer approach to upgrading your hardware. It's more like, hey, this is the next thing. And you can, everything you have will be, be, will be better if you have it. But if you don't have it, you can still, you can still be part of it. You yeah. can still be with us. You can, you know, there's, there's, it's an interesting move, and I'm, I'm curious to see how it will impact sales. And we, we, obviously, we can't really guess about that until we know some pricing. But yeah. Like, uh, next year should be real interesting. At the very, I, I don't think there will be any lack of excitement next E3. Well, I think they they are having a bit of a problem because they're transitioning from all industry to industry plus mm-hmm. the fans, and the fans are gonna who went to E3 this year. First of all, it was down this year from last year. 
the attendance was down. Yeah. Not that much, like a I mean, couple, it was, couple thousand. It was or still whatever. sixty thousand. It was, people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but so after they all go to this one though, and maybe they're not as impressed with it, then yeah. maybe they don't come back next year. I do think they managed the crowds much better this yeah, time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, security was very tight because um, it has to be yeah. these days. Uh, I think I had to show my ID three separate times before I got in the building the first first yeah. day. Um, there are dog, dogs everywhere. Dogs everywhere. But I'm glad yeah, because I mean, like, that's, too, yeah. that's just the nature of the beast. They were sniffing my bag like constantly. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be setting up, like sitting on the floor, like setting up for a shot, and a dog would just come up and sniff my bags. Just And it happened like five times across three mm-hmm. days. So it's good. I mean, they're doing what they need to uh, to keep people safe in there. But yeah, you're right. It's noticeable for sure. Um, so anyway... I mean, there was a time when you could have brought an elephant in this. Oh, show. yeah. No Anything. One they would never searched your no bags. They didn't yeah. even search your bags. Like, you just walk in with whatever. They didn't even look. So, so anyway, there's our general impressions of E3. If you're someone who just watches our streams and you're not a member of Sifted and you're not on our Patreon, you probably missed. Uh, you're probably wondering, like, hey, why aren't they talking about more stuff? Well, we've already mm-hmm. talked about all that. We did analysis of every press conference already. Um, so, if you want to check out that mm-hmm. stuff, also, I don't think it's going to come up much in our, our categories here, but I think one of the best-looking booths on the floor was Borderlands 3. Oh, amazing. Borderlands 3 was just... Uh, was I couldn't stop looking at it every oh, time yeah. I walked past it. It was beautiful. And it's great, too, because it's like one of, if you walked in the one hall, it may have been like the first thing you saw yeah. at E3. And it was for me, personally. Yeah. I walked in, and boom, there it was. I was like, dang, like 2K here in full force. Mm-hmm. That is one thing I noticed. 2K stepped it up this year yeah, compared to what it usually true. does. So that's good to see because usually 2K is like a bit player at E3. But yeah, you're seeing that right now. Statues were amazing. The screens were like freaking ridiculous. Uh, people were all over Borderlands 3. Yeah. That's for sure. It was a big, big game at the show. Uh, I heard lots of people talking about it and everyone talking about trying to get swag and blah, blah, blah. So... So there you go. There's our general impressions of oh, E3 2019. The other game that the uh, the, the younger my younger companions uh, in the camera crew uh, were super excited about, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. So they were very hyped. I on heard that. the first day that people were impressed with that game. So on day two, I went to check it out. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I played it. It's uh, it's a Dragon Ball game. It's a. <laughs> uh, it's not good. It's like tries to look like it's open world but it's not yeah it's it's a very it feels like a, like a dreamcast era yeah. open world yeah. almost um, i don't know why people are splooging all over it because it's dragon ball i guess and it looks like dragon Ball. like the, the visuals are there the fights are there it tells it it's tells, so empty it tells a wide swath of the story um the world the is series. just barren there's like <laughs> i thought it looked awful have you watched dragon ball because the whole thing's kind of barren. i have um, i have and it, i get it they, but if you grew up with dragon ball this is one of the things you've been waiting for it's a convenient excuse to make to make the game look bad I and think. their their whole thing was like well xenoverse was good but you had you didn't play as like goku you right. played as your own character and they wanted to play as goku it's they had the avengers problem they're like i want to be i want to be goku right so i mean it, they they dug it like i don't think they're going to call it game of the show or anything but uh they like, liked it. Yeah, they definitely were happy with it. Interesting. All right, let's move on. Uh, first, we're going to do something we do every year with E3, and it's called Two Up, Two Down. E3, every year, is the time where publishers try to impress us with their best and brightest. And Two Up, Two Down is our way to say, okay, this game showing at E3 drastically changed my opinion on that game, and it can be for the better 
or it can be for the worse. So we're going to start with our first. We were going to both of us are going to pick two, two up and two down. So let's start for both of us. Our first ups map. What is yours? Uh, my first up is Watch Dogs Legion. I think a lot um, of people would have that on their up list. Now, granted, it debuted uh, here, but um, I mean, we we knew it was coming. It was pretty. We had some pretty good information pretty, about pretty it. Pretty good assumptions that it was coming, um, and then it leaked beforehand, so we definitely knew that it was a thing. Um, but, like, you know, I had my optimistic kind of like, oh, this is what I'd like to see them do or how I'd like to see them rework it, but um, they kind of reworked it exactly how I hoped they would, so, um, like, I kind of went, my, my thing jumped from, my, my opinion on this jumped from, like, yeah, I'll play it, because, like, I like the first two okay, and I'll yeah. see where they want to take it, to I cannot wait to dig into this and, like, play with all the systems in this thing and see what kind of weird stuff I can cause to happen and whose data I can find and whose lives I can mess with and whose lives I can improve and who's that. Yeah. Like, I want to do all that stuff. I only, I, I, We're going to be talking about this game it. a lot in this episode. So mm. and keep I, some of your opinions for later because right. you're going to need them. <laughs> and I wasn't too... Uh, I mean, I wasn't really expecting, uh, you know this to be uh, a big thing that like stuck in my mind through the whole week, but it did. It looks like what I thought the first game was going to be. Mm. Like this is kind of what I thought Watch Dogs was going to be all along from well, I think that this very is what first they, trailer. I think this is what they wanted you to think it would be. Yeah, and they finally got there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was very impressed. I think everybody... Right down to it pretty much looking almost like the original that original trailer yep. that they ran. The yeah. little gameplay demo they ran before. With all the connections on the phones and everything. Yeah. yeah. I think everybody was And I mean the visual, I mean, you want to talk about the downgrade controversy. Right, right. Yeah. But now they're they're they finally caught up to their own 2012 <laughs> trailer. Uh, my first up for E3 2019 is Luigi's Mansion 3. And I'm going to talk about this game right now people because it's not mentioned I hate to be a spoiler, but we don't really mention it again in the rest of this episode. And I love this game. I absolutely love it. In fact, I would say it's probably in my top five games of the show. I'm not even exaggerating. Uh, this, so my concerns about it were mostly rooted in the first game and Dark Moon to an extent, which I did not finish, so I didn't really know how long it was. Uh, my big concern with the first Luigi's Mansion was it was like you're done with it with four, in four hours. You had nothing to go back to. Nothing could be further from the truth with Luigi's Mansion 3. First of all, look at the mansion. So if you remember, the first game, it was like a two-story house. Yeah, it was a pretty normal mansion. Now it's a skyscraper, mm -hmm. and it goes up and up. I talked to a Nintendo rep, and he wouldn't give me an exact kind of length of how long the game is, but he said that people are going to be very, very, very happy. So um, on top of that, though, it's not just about the single player. It's also about multiplayer co-op they have a mode called like skyscraper mode or something and basically it's a floor by floor cooperative mode for up to four players where you just clear floors and you have to collect items that and keys that unlock the locks to the next one you just keep climbing up the tower with the people that you're playing with someone else can also play cooperatively with you throughout like the whole game mm -hmm. um they can play as like gooigi or whatever which is his <laughs> alter ego that can like it One of the great, great controversies of the week. Yeah. Do you, do you love Gooigi, or do you think he's creepy? <laughs> um, <coughs> Gameplay-wise, he's pretty handy. And they most of the puzzles in the game work around using both Luigi and Gooigi. Uh, because Gooigi can do stuff that, that Luigi can. So he, now do we, or do we eventually build to a Wagooigi? <laughs> I mean, 
It's Nintendo, of course. Waguigi for Smash. <laughs> uh, and then talking about like just how the game plays, it is a little different. And I don't know that I really like all the changes all that much. So the biggest one, if you guys remember, or maybe you don't know anything about this game, but basically what you do is you stun the ghosts. You have to spot them first with a flashlight and then stun them. And then you can start sucking them up. And that was pretty much the extent of the first game. Um, you, there was a, a mechanic built into it to where the right stick, you had to hold it away from the direction the ghost is pulling to be able to vacuum them up more quickly. And that mechanic, I loved it. It was like crazy addictive. But now, and you can see that what they've added is, once you stun them and start sucking them up, that icon pops up and you can slam them back and forth to basically take control of them. It seemed cool at first. By the time I got like 15 minutes into the demo, I, it wasn't quite as cool, to be perfectly honest with you. It started to get annoying. Um, and I would actually prefer if you could just suck them up like you could in, in the first game. But you have so many more tools in this, which is just going to open up the toy chest for Nintendo to create some great scenarios. Like you saw earlier, the uh, suction plunger that you can use. Mm -hmm. That's not just used for like puzzles and pulling boxes and things like that. Like the boss fight at the end of the demo at E3, you have to use the suction cup to like pull the, sh There's, there it is right here, perfect timing. You have to pull, use it to pull the shield off of the boss so that you can attack the boss. So it's tied into the combat and other elements of the game. It's not just mm. like, hey, grab that box and move it to like get it somewhere to solve a puzzle or whatever. Um, the game is gorgeous. I mean, you can see that just by watching the B-roll that we have. It is beautiful. And it does cheat because it does not have to render gigantic outdoor areas with stretching vistas. It's very self-control, which allows for the game to have a ton of detail, great lighting, great fogging. I mean, honestly, I almost considered this as like the best graphics of E3 2019. Hmm. I'm not kidding. Uh, this game blew me away, people. I really, really liked Luigi's Mansion 3. Um, again, like it, I considered it for game of the show. Definitely considered it for best graphics of the show. I loved playing it. I loved the tone of it. Uh, like a lot of Nintendo games, the story isn't all that prevalent. Like it starts with like the whole crew like riding on a bus and they show up. It, it, it's frivolous. But mm -hmm. the game itself is very fun, very polished. Um, and they kept the Luigi's Mansion 3 name. They didn't change it to some subtitle or whatever. Um, I am really, really hyped. This is one of my most anticipated games of 2019 now, people. I'm not kidding. Provided it doesn't get delayed like Animal Crossing. and or, You know, I lost our fantasy draft in two days. <laughs> I lost Animal Crossing Switch and I lost Ori and the Will of the Wisp. Just over. Yep. E3 ended my fantasy league. That so, was it. So now, like, what, you're on Days Gone and... What was my other alternate? I don't even remember. I don't remember what the other alternate... I don't have my computer. Obviously, right it wasn't very good if I can't even remember it. So, anyway, I love Luigi's Mansion 3 at E3 2019. I thought it looked and Here awesome. I thought Anthem had sunk me. <laughs> nope. Definitely not. Uh, okay, what's your first down, Matt? My first down is probably just about everybody's first down, uh, which is uh, Avengers. Yeah. Um, I will say this. It's not... Bad. It's, it's not, not as bad as like, people yeah, are making pe it out. It's not to like be. the disaster people are screaming yeah. about, but it is extremely underwhelming. Yeah. Because when, when you finally see it played, um, the problem the problem is twofold. The first part is that um, you can see where they got everything in the game. Like everything in the game is sort of lifted from another better game. Yeah. And it's very like, derivative. Thor. Thor plays like Kratos. Yep. Like it's that simple. Thor plays like Kratos. Uh, Iron Man flies around on rails at one point. Nuh-uh, bad. 
Um, yeah, it's really bad. But like when once he stops and starts actually fighting on the bridge, it kind of kind of looks like an anthem. Character, yeah, yeah, you know, it looks a lot like anthem. Like yeah. Um, the Hulk is probably the closest they get to actually capturing a character with the, with the gameplay style because the Hulk is just a big battering ram. Which right. is, I mean, there's a couple of, of moves in there that are literally taken from the old Capcom fighting games, which I thought was fun. Uh-huh. Um, and then Black Widow sort of plays a little Devil May Cry-ish, I think, what they're going for. But unfortunately, the, the section she has in the demo... Which the demo is basically, I think, what you play at the beginning of the game. It's like the prologue that introduces you to all the concepts in the game. It's like a tutorial sort of thing. So you jump from one character to the next. She was uh, abysmal. She, uh, her thing is just mostly a boss fight against Taskmaster. And it goes on forever. And it's like tons of quick time events. Yeah, there's a lot it's of quick... It's like, bro, like, this is 2019. She's like up on uh, getting on him while he's like flying around a jetpack and like punching him in the back of the head while you, while you hammer like... QTE buttons, and while it's happening, like doing that, like she's flying through like the structure of the bridge, and like the frame rates tanking into the teens. It's it was bad. It was really disconcerting. And then Captain America is. I, had, of, I thought so, he was. I liked him. Okay. Captain America seemed like Kratos, except with a, shi- shield. Like a shield bouncing yeah. from one thing to. And it looked like maybe the shield. I couldn't tell for sure, but it looked like the shield maybe stored up charges when you block stuff with it or something. And then you could use it to like create like a shockwave thing, yeah. sort of thing. Um, he didn't. He, did, he didn't actually play as him very long. Like nope. He was. He was very quick. Um, and I then thought he, Thor was okay. Like I liked his mechanics. Like I the mechanics are fine, but like, he's just fighting like little guys in like tactical gear, and I was bored by halfway through his part of the demo. It was the longest um, part. If I yeah. The other ha- problem, and then and the twofold problem. Part two is they never fight as a team. Yeah. Um, it's just individual sections, and maybe that's different in the final game, but I find it extremely strange that's bad. that the Avengers aren't fighting as a team, the campaign is entirely single player, um, the co-op stuff is all like side mission, open world, end game stuff. Um, I can't imagine this was their goal when they started making this game. I, wouldn't I just think can't so. believe that it would have um, been their vision. Like honestly, as much as people complained uh, about the idea, it would have been better if they had gone full destiny with it. Yeah, like a mingle player sort of open thing. Um, there's a lot. There was some some chatter on the floor I heard where people were concerned because they they because Captain America dies in that explosion at the beginning they're like I can't believe they spoiled Captain America like do you really think he's not coming back or like there's not some like multiverse thing where like everybody gets characters from different multiverse things because everybody's obviously they're going to sell you know, skins and They're also forgetting that the debut teaser trailer for this game was, like, his shield sitting broken, there, yeah. like, broken, so... Like, I promise Captain America's not dead for the rest of the game. <laughs> You'll be able to play as Captain America. They didn't design an entire fighting system for Captain America for him to be in five minutes of the for game. For him to be killed in the opening cinematic. <laughs> uh, it's it, it's right back... It's like the, the Mass Effect 2 thing where people complain that they showed the end of the game when, right. when Shepard died yeah, with Normandy. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, that's clearly the beginning of the what I don't know what you're doing anymore, but um, and the other thing, of course, people complain about um, have complained about the way they look. Um, again, as we talked about at the press conference, I don't care that they don't look like the actors from the movies. My problem is having looked at them more and more over the course of the week, and also like when you went in, you got like this dossier folder with like headshots of them and stuff. Mm-hmm. The problem isn't that they don't look like the actors. The problem is that they don't they don't look like anyone. They look like, or like, or they look like everyone. They have really generic faces, very symmetrical. There's no character to them. Thor, in particular, the the, the parallel I drew was it, Thor is like when you do a storyboard for a movie. 
Thor is like the face you draw for Thor before you cast anyone as Thor, <laughs> right? Like, they, they just don't look like anyone. I don't they, know why they didn't just make them look like their comic book representations. They kind of like, do. I, I could mean, have look, dealt with that. Look, comic Fine. book represent, look, that's not really a thing to say because they look different from comic to comic depending on the artist. Like, there's not a, drastic, like that Oh, yes, drastic. Yes, drastic. I mean, I have a By vision far, of what drastic. Thor looks like in my head from the I comic. know you do, but... I've read comics for 40 years, and Thor in one comic can look completely different in another. The trick is, artists give character to those faces to the point that you can tell, A, who they're supposed to be, and B, that they don't look like everybody else. That's the trick. And, like, if you, if, uh, if Scarlet, if, uh, Scarlet, I see, I always try to call Black Widow <laughs> Scarlet, because she's played by Scarlet Johansson. Right. If Black Widow stole your car... How in the world would you describe it? She's just a white woman. It's like her face, her yeah. face has no distinguishing characteristics to it whatsoever. Yeah. Like no scars. And that's no the problem with everyone except Bruce. Like Bruce Banner, I think kind of looks okay. Um, He's the closest to the movie character. I mean, in the sense that he almost looks like a person with a real face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but everyone else yeah. just sort of looks like a like a guy. Like, I, I don't, like, even Tony, he's got the facial hair, but you take the facial hair off, he's just a dude. Like, you got to give these faces a little something to, to grab onto, and there's nothing there. And that's, that's I think that's the problem. I mean, they even would have probably been better if they'd mo-capped and scanned the voice actors' faces for I mean, even Nolan North doesn't look like Robert Downey Jr., but you could adapt Nolan North's face, Nolan North's face to look like some semblance of a Tony Stark. Right. Um, I think that's the thing. You know, I know they said they're not going to change them. Um, despite the complaints, I think... Uh, Maybe they should just keep their helmets and masks on. I mean, that'll help. Also, <laughs> I keep in mind, I mean, I assume they're going to sell skins the way they did on Marvel Heroes. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and, like, the Marvel Heroes skins routinely changed the complete look of the character down to some of the skins you could buy were literal representations of the movie versions. So it wouldn't surprise me if you could, in fact, buy a skin eventually that looks like Chris Evans or yeah. looks like Robert Downey Jr. to some degree. Or even looks like individual versions of the characters that through the history the of the comics. That would be the most popular DLC for the game. Yes, it would. And not <laughs> coincidentally, in Marvel Heroes, they were the most expensive. Yeah, of course they are. Because they have to pay the royalty to them. Right. Yeah. Well, because they said it's because, like, oh, because we had to put so much extra work. Oh, that's like, no. No. We know what it is. That was part of a different contract, and we're all aware <laughs> of that. We know that. All right. My first down, and this may surprise some people, is uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. I don't think that surprised anybody who's been on the internet for the last few days. Really? Oh, the po- I mean, that's the thing. I've been out of touch with the internet the Pokemon for Reddit, the last four the days. The Pokemon subreddit was just a toxic swamp of horrors. For, really? Like, every, what are they every, upset about? Because every day they'd, they'd announce some new, something that was not in the game. Oh. That, that, like, you know, the... First, it was the, the it's not a full national Pokedex. People lost their. Minds. I did see that. Uh, yeah. Then it was uh, they don't. There's no Z moves or Mega Evolutions in the game. I am not going to miss Z moves. Yeah. I have to admit. Yeah, I don't really. Um, Mega Evolutions. I did like the, the 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 designs, but it's like also that's a lot. That's a lot of uh, character models. You know, you don't have to make now. Also. There's a bunch of people that are like convinced that the National Pokedex and the Mega Evolutions could show up later. As DLC. As DLC or as the inevitable Ultra right, versions or whatever. Right. Um, because you'll complain about it, but you'll buy it. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're know right. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, none of that stuff like tremendously bothers me. I am not a hardcore enough Pokemon fan to, uh, to, to, for that to dampen my spirits on this. I really like what they're showing on this game. 
the open world stuff, the uh, the you know the being able to see the Pokemon before you fight them, all that's like it looks exactly like pretty close to what I was hoping like a console Pokemon would be. So I'm pretty I'm still just fine excited about Pokemon Sword and Shield, but it wasn't like a big up or down thing for me, so it's not part of my my listing here. Yeah, um, my my big complaints. Uh, and part of it is what I talked about before E3, which was, you know what, I just played one of these. So when I started playing the demo for this, I just got disinterested or disinterested pretty quickly. Uh, my other big complaint about it is that it just doesn't look very good. Like when you see it with your own two eyes, like it's very empty. Like the world is just mm. like a big field with like a couple shrubs here and there. Like it looks like my first open world game in a lot of ways. I think it will be for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, from a developing perspective. It, it looks like an, op an open world game where the developer's like, here's our first open world game, and this is how close we got. I just didn't find it very attractive visually. It looked like an older game. It almost looked like a remaster or something of an older game, of the Pokemon game we should have got back in, like, the GameCube era or yeah, I mean, something. The, the Switch is not a current-gen system hardware-wise, so yeah. it's, you know, I mean, I, that's somewhat understandable. Um, I do think it looks better than Shenmue 3. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I, th I have decided that the way I'm thinking about Shenmue 3 is it's a remaster of a hypothetical 2004 game. <laughs> like, if they'd actually made Shenmue 3 back in the day, that's what this Shenmue 3 It's a remaster of a 15-year-old game. I've been game. trying to tell people ever since that thing was announced and the whole viral thing of people freaking out over Shenmue. I was like, don't get too excited, folks. I, I, my expectations, I feel, have been right where they need to be for that <laughs> game. And I'm a backer. You know, I back yeah, the yeah. thing. I, I know Shenmue. I'm a big fan of Shenmue. But, like, yeah. it sure is Shenmue. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, and, look, I don't think Pokemon Sword and Shield looks bad or anything. Uh, mm -hmm. I just, when I actually had to play it on the show floor, it didn't take long before I was like, I get it. I don't really need to play this anymore. Um, in fact, like I kind of finished my demo earlier than like I needed to because I was like in a battle and I'm like, I know how this is going to play out, but I did that on Dragon Ball. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to go fight yeah. the guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not like I saw it and it's like this terrible game and no one should buy it and Poke fans should like return their pre-order or whatever. Um, I just don't, I honestly think that Let's Go looks better than this game graphically. Because they did kind of keep it tighter and they didn't worry about make stretching out the vistas so much that everything looks a lot more populated. And it looks a lot more like Pokemon than this game does. Like this game to me doesn't, other than like seeing like the Poke Center and like the iconic buildings, like it doesn't really look like a Pokemon game to me. Like the way the world has been like constructed and stuff, like I don't know. I'm sure I'll get it and I'll play it for 500 hours or whatever when it comes out, but having just kind of finished Let's Go and spent probably 70 hours on that, I just wasn't that enthused to play it at E3, and the mm. game did nothing to kind of change my opinion on it to make me want to play it. Um, all right, let's get back to the good stuff. What's <laughs> your next up, Matt? Uh, my next up is Psychonauts 2. Yeah. Buried um, at the show in a lot of ways, but... Yeah, off, off to the side. Yeah. You, know, you wouldn't even... It almost... I almost missed it, because uh, it looked almost like it was off. It was kind of off where all the weird little side things were. Yeah, unfortunately, they got stuffed in there with all the stuff that people really don't care about. Yeah. But um, they had it there. They were playing it, you know, for a, for a demo, for a full, like, half-hour-long demo. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, pretty much of the, of the opening of the game, first half-hour of the game. Um... And uh, like I gotta say, like I'm a backer on this as well. Like I uh, I enjoy I love Psychonauts, so I was obviously you know 
I'm in, but like it took, I think, watching this demo to make me be like, oh, they got it again. Oh, they, they nailed it. They did it, it again. Yeah, like absolutely. they nailed it. Because yeah. you don't know, if, is, is the art style going to translate to modern tech? Is yeah. the, are they going to be, you know, be able to come up with like the same kind of like mind twisting stuff that was in the first? Yes, they, they did. did. They yeah. absolutely did. It's got that balance of like, fantastical and sort of like disgusting yeah like you know <laughs> it's like it. there's like it's like you've got these really cool shots of these uh you know like th this shot with the with the um the cubicles like it starts as the as the brain logo and like it starts panning over the brain and slowly the folds of the brain become the endless cubicle yeah. setup and like there's just there's just imagination on display in every shot of this game. Tim Schafer, man. And um, it just keeps going and going. The characters are exactly who they used to be. Like you can you know the, the progression is very obvious and and all the voices are back. Everything everything's right. Like this is how you do it. This is how you do a sequel 15 years later, folks. You just you just pick it up like it, it happens two days after the end of the first game yeah like there's and like the thing is there's, there's no way to know it wasn't made two days after the end of the first game except for the fact that it looks so much better i hope there's a market for it because 3d yeah, platformers have not fared well over the last half decade or so but this is so good i mean it it, it it sometimes it's like watching it's like watching a stop motion animated movie sometimes like yeah. the, the, the especially the environments like the the characters are not as detailed but the environments are so like well realized and the teeth look so real yeah, and like it's, a, it's a little, like gross because you're in the mouth the game of is it. a little gross oh yeah I guess, but it's like that's it. that's yeah. you got you need this it's supposed to be like you're in a brain there's a little yeah. there's a lot the sound effects are very squishy yeah. in places like it's it's uh they're nailing it it and, makes an impact yeah. that's one thing i'll say like yeah. i've watched a lot of demos over the last four or five days and that's one that i remember mm-hmm like, is it affecting my mood at the show? Like, a lot of times it, you just get kind of in the zone at E3, and it's just, you just turn into this sponge of just sucking in inter interactive entertainment. And every once in a while you come across a game like this that's different, and it has a different impact on you than just like, oh, that was cool, next. Um, I hope it, it can find an audience and can be successful. Well, hopefully that... Not that it matters now. They just got, they were just bought by uh, right. Microsoft. <laughs> but in the sense of like, you know, having their work recognized. And, yeah. And, yeah. I have a feeling that this game might be why they were purchased by Microsoft. It, when you see it, it is impressive. Yeah. Without a doubt. So I would... I definitely, I could see Microsoft seeing this and being like, we need that in our stable. Yeah. And, and it might also have tied into, you know, the, at the press conference they announced that, like Tim basically came out and was like, uh, you want us to make Halo or whatever? And they're like, no, just keep doing what you're doing. And it's just like, oh, okay, we can do that. Um, it's like, uh, yeah, like absolutely. Like there's no other reason to buy that company than to have them keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, that's why you bought them. And Tim Schafer at the booth was wearing a Brutal Legend shirt. Maybe we'll get another Brutal Legend game? That's yeah. not happening. I think if you made... I think he's just twisting the knife. I think if you made a Brutal Legend game that was like, played like an action adventure game and wasn't like a weird real-time strategy bait and switch. Yeah. Um... I think you'd have a hit on your hands. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe Jack Black isn't the draw he once was. <laughs> He's but definitely I, not. <laughs> but I would but I would play a, a brutal legend that had more in common with Psychonauts than Me too. Brutal Legend. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. My second and last up is Dying Light Two. I was not a fan of the first Dying Light. I played it and enjoyed it. I am, I but I don't know it. why. You finished it and everything? I know I never finished. That game is huge. It is huge. But I played like a bunch of the DLC expansion stuff, and I put it in just to play for a while. Um, and then when they revamped it and did the enhanced edition, I kept going. I went back to it and played some more. Like it was a big seller. I must have put a lot of people. I, I put it. like eighty hours into the thing. A lot of like, people over did. Over the course of the years, I got like twenty something into it before I kind of 
faded away. I, I had just, I think I had just like launched Sifted at that point, mm-hmm. and I'm still kind of trying to figure out how to like budget my time and everything. Uh, and I only got like 20 hours in. I was like, I think I can't play this anymore. I got to move on to something else. But Dying Light 2 blew my mind. Did you get to see this demo? No. So games always talk about choice and. You know, most games that offer it yeah. maybe offer a couple choices. Even the games that, like, make it a focus maybe have ten choices throughout the entire game that actually matter. This whole game is like that, Matt. Mm-hmm. Literally, like, every ten minutes, you're making a decision in this game that, like, changes stuff on down the road. It blew my mind. Yeah, I know people that, like, I knew, who had seen who had seen it, they said, like, the, the developers were saying that, like, you'll, you'll only see, like, half the content in one yeah. playthrough because you're... you're Choosing branches that cut you off from, from other, other stuff. stuff. I was blown away by this game. Another big change to it that I will appreciate a lot is the day and night cycle has a huge impact on the zombies. So suddenly, I think this is set like 15 years after the first one or something. Somewhere along the line, the zombies kind of evolved and they are damaged by sunlight. Hmm. So now during the day, the zombies are like inside in shade and they can still like attack you if you go in there. But they aren't out on the streets, like, trying to hunt you down. And then at night, they come out, and Mm -hmm. it becomes more dangerous. So, to me, having that time during the daylight to kind of take care of business without having to worry about getting eaten... Just worry about getting shot. Right, right, yeah. yeah. It does change the aesthetic of the game. It takes one of the major enemies kind of out of play. Mm -hmm. Um, I was shocked at how much I liked this game at E3. I feel like it's That's a fun tactical choice, too. Like, the idea of, like, say you need to do something inside a zombie lair... Do you go in while they're all well? It's safer outside. You get to the lair and go in while they're all in there. Or do you wait and like brave, brave the outside at night? But then there'll probably be less zombies inside in the, in the yeah, lair. Yeah, the whole aesthetic can, will change the entire game. Um, again, not a huge fan of the first one, but this second one blew me away. So if you like the first game, man, you are going to love this one. And if you're like me and you're kind of like eh on the first one, you should definitely start paying attention. Mm-hmm. Go to its game page on Sifted, click the gear, and follow it. And also doesn't hurt that Chris Avalon's working on it. Yep. Yeah, and the, and you can see it. Yeah, like you the, can, I'm sure the branching, like making real decisions, him. had to be him. Yep, absolutely. That, that's his stuff. Yep. I, I was blown away by it. So there you go. Uh, and then finally, our last down, Matt. What is yours? Uh, this is might be a bit of a punt, um, <laughs> but mine is Gears Pop. Wow. Um, <laughs> And I'm surprised you could come because, up with something else. Well, the, mainly because like you, your your watchword for these up down things are big moves, big swings right. from whatever. Yeah. And I went from like you know having seen this and be like, all right, well that's. I mean, I'm not that's into cute. Funko Pops, but it's cute. I'm interested to see what they do with that. Like I might play, if it's like a kind of a like a Lego style take on Gears of War, that might be fun. And then it turned out to be like this like. This trash awful mobile, mobile game, game and, I, and it just went from like, yeah, I'll keep it like gone, like off radar, done, never gonna look at it again. Yeah, like it was a, you know, it, it's uh, it's not the most exciting pick, I understand, but it is the most true it's to the legit. concept I of mean, up yeah. down. <laughs> it is um, absolutely. Other ones would have been like probably Shenmue three. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not this. I'm not. Shenmue was right on the fringe for me. I'm not not looking forward to Shenmue three, but like, I'm, it's definitely turning out to be exactly what I was expecting it to be. Right. See, that's why I didn't I didn't right. include exactly. it exactly because my expectations for it were already so low. Right. Like, and I mean, you are still looking at a game that's probably what well, there's, there's they're probably getting like with Kickstarter with the Kickstarter plus like the extra fun 
funding, you're probably looking at something in the 10 to 16 million budget range. Yeah. And don't forget that the original Shenmue was the most expensive game ever made at, at the, the time. time. This yeah. is a very different way of making Shenmue. It's basically like for that amount of money now, you can make what was the most expensive game in 1999. Right. You know, like that's yeah. that's where you are now. Yeah, it's true. So, and then the worst part of a big disappointment on Shenmue 3 actually was that um, someone asked Yu Suzuki how how far into the story this game gets, and he said 40%. What? Because you remember that Shenmue was originally supposed to be 16 right. chapters. Which, and like the how first, insane is that? Right. Well, it was very ambitious. The first game was one chapter. The second game, I think, was two or three. And then so this one, apparently, everyone was expecting it to be the conclusion, but it seems like Suzuki thinks you're, he's going to get two, three more games out of this thing. Good luck. Good luck with that. So anyone hoping for closure on Shenmue 3, apparently we're not getting that. Because he's got to hope that all those backers come back. And if this game is a piece of crap, who's going to invest in the next one? I feel like it takes 20 years to build up that kind of fervor for it. And like if this turns out to be just... It can all be squashed. It can all go away. Yep. And good luck finding someone else to invest in that. I don't know. Like, so yeah. But Gears Pop was just... The one that was like, I was like, oh, okay, okay. I mean, look, I mean, I'm not going to dismiss about it. The the core of what two up, two down yeah. is, it's probably the number one pick for the whole show. Yeah, it was definitely the widest drop. <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. From kind of like mild interest to gone. Yeah, to no interest at yeah. all. Yep. And then my final down, and this might surprise some people, it's the Outer Worlds. Did you get to check this out? No. Where was that? It was over at Microsoft. Okay, I didn't spend a ton of time in Microsoft. Yeah, well, for good reason, because it sucked. Oh. And <laughs> not the game, like Microsoft's like whole thing over there. Like, mm. I hate how they have that whole thing set up. Uh, but you can, there's demos up online you can watch of it being played. Uh, I played Gears, and uh, I watched someone play Battletoads, uh, and that was about it. And then You're, I had to get, That then was I a had, smart move with Battletoads. Then I had to get somewhere else. Yeah. So. Uh, it, look, I don't think this game is going to be terrible, but... Watching the demo of this game, this is one of those games that looks way better in a trailer than it does being played. Um, Obsidian. You can see, oh yeah, you watch this game being played, you can see Obsidian all over it. Mm. It is, uh, it, the movement is really slow. Like, you literally, like, the movement around the world feels like you're walk, like, walk, like slow walking intentionally. Mm. And just like... There were, like, glitches in the demo from E3. Like, there was, like, parts of entire buildings, like, popping into view. Like, the animations for when you run, like, you know, where your hands are on camera, it's like this loop that just repeats over and over and over again. And you have the gun, it just repeats the loop over and over. You can just, you can see corners are being cut on the game. Uh, you can see there's problems with it right now. We know the track record with Obsidian and its games. They come out, they're a piece of junk. Eventually, they patch them into something good. It just looks like this game is headed for the same trajectory as all of its other games, in all honesty. Um, the, like, seeing the, the world and kind of the plot in motion wasn't encouraging or exciting. It's kind of drab. Um, it doesn't have VATS, but it does have basically a ripoff of VATS uh, where you can target specific body parts like their knees. And you can... Go through the perk tree to to improve like that very specific ability. So like you can maim enemies like that. To me, that was one of the cooler parts of it. But again, not that different, much different than bats. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had really high expectations for this. Um, and then after the demo, they were pretty much squashed. Like mm-hmm. I now, if I, I might have to play it just because. But 
if I didn't have to play it for my job, I would probably wait like six months or a year for them to like patch it up. Like that's to me where this game is tracking. I mean, right that now. is kind of standard Obsidian procedure. Yeah, and I was hoping that that wasn't going to be the case with this game, but after the demo I saw, it looks like it's absolutely going to yeah. be. The well, case. maybe it might cease to be the case moving forward in you know the Microsoft, the Microsoft ownership era. Yeah, but I think this might be the last true Obsidian game in that regard. Yep. I mean, I'm just right now. I'm just hoping it's more, um, more New Vegas than Alpha Protocol. Yeah, let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I, it is. I can tell you that right now. It is absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like a sci-fi. I guess Fallout is kind of sci-fi, but this is like a far-flung sci-fi mm -hmm. Fallout, basically. This is Obsidian just trying to make a Fallout game without getting sued. It's the best way I could put it. Um, so yeah, I was disappointed in, uh, in this game, and as you just saw there in the B-roll, it is coming this year. So, seeing stuff like that in an E3 demo, when the game's coming out within the next five or six months, is not very encouraging. Mm -hmm. So, there you go. That's two up, two down for E3 2019, and it's time to get into our awards. We're going to kick things, like, things off with the best debut at E3 2019, and we... Both picked the same game, and that was Watch Dogs Legion. Legion. Yeah. I mean, look, this game is a game of the show candidate. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's it plays as well as it looked to you folks at home, I guess is the best mm -hmm. way I can put it. They put um, a lot, clearly put a lot of time into this. It's insane. It's insane. If you guys have not watched, like, one of the millions of, like, developer walkthroughs that are out there for this game... When this show is over, go watch one. Mm. It is mind-bending, the stuff that is in this game. Like, I watched one walkthrough where they just played with all elderly. They just used <laughs> one of the elderly people. It was hilarious. So They've you, definitely come a long way from women are too hard to animate. Yeah, yeah you're right. I forgot about that. So it was awesome. Like, they went in and did, like, a kill-free playthrough. They went into mm. this fortress with this elderly play character Went in, did not, was non-lethal the whole way through. Like, she had this crazy, like, uh, spider drone mm -hmm. that you could use to, like, crawl up to enemies. And they would crawl up its arm and then basically do, like, a wrap around their face and then shock their face and knock them out. And they just kept using that over and over strategically to get, like, through the whole thing. And it was hilarious. Like, she makes it all the way through. Uh, the base and then escapes and comes out and she has to chase somebody down <laughs> who's walking. And so her run is just barely faster than the person's walk. It is freaking hilarious. So you have your character who's just running as hard as they can and just gaining like an inch with every stride. I, I can't put it into words. It was like I laughed for like 30 seconds. So, you know, they showed off kind of the, the what do they call it? They call it like um, traversal challenged or something there's a term for it in the game because mm. characters are rated in that like right. how they can how fast they are and so they you know they showed that i know it's crazy so they showed that in the trailer and kind of their presentation on stage and then for them to actually show how deep that rabbit hole goes inside the game it's crazy the stuff that you can do in this like it i don't know again i highly recommend going and watching a mm. gameplay demo of it yeah, it's uh, even if you've been disappointed by the other two games, yep. like this could almost be a new franchise. I mean, this is what it should have been all yeah. along, and what it will be probably from here on. It's out. it's a rare example of a major AAA publisher sort of like missing twice and not giving up on the because concept. they made money the first. It two did. Times. They yeah. did. 
But like that's also kind of impressive that you know Ubisoft is not known for changing the formula if it works once. Yeah. So uh, the fact that they really went back and decided to let this team go and find, you know, find the juicy core of what Watchdog should be, like I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, we're both impressed. I think everyone's impressed with it. Only downside is it comes out next year. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for this year, but not so. Okay, next up, best graphics. We're reaching the end of the console generation. I think it's getting hard to pick this category at this point because mm. all the games look good for PS4 and Xbox One games. Yeah. And they're all kind of on equal footing. Even the developers who maybe didn't have their own engine, like they're now getting up to speed with Unreal or whatever middleware they're using. Like everything looks yeah. pretty good at E3. Well, I mean, now. you even have stuff like Luigi's Mansion on Switch right. that, like, yeah. just people learning how to use the hardware properly. Yeah. Or just catering the game in such a way to be able to maximize the hardware. Yeah, yeah. it counts. It does count, absolutely. Um, and we do have different picks for this one, Matt. So what's your uh, pick for the best graphics of E3 2019? My pick is still Cyberpunk 2077. Um, your pick is also a, a good one, like, pro and probably objectively correct. Yeah. Um, but I just love the aesthetic of this game, and, yeah. the, and the, that's the neon-drenched city. Well, it's, it's, and the, the, it's a great mix of tech and art. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that just like put it over the top. Again, I think I probably was my pick for last year too, but I uh, it just it just puts it over the top. And there's a part of me that just can't believe we're gonna get to run around in this city. Yeah. You know, it look it looks like something that should be in like a David Cage game, where you can only see the little little snippets that you get to see in the little story based areas where you yeah. do like five things. But the fact that you can just walk down the street in this game, that, that blows my mind. Just like, the art is amazing. Just look at the lighting down that hallway back yeah, there. Exactly. Like, was, just, exactly what I was looking at when you said that. Yeah, I mean, just look at that. Like, what games... What's down there? I right. want to go down that, that hallway. What games, though, pay that much attention to that little yeah. stuff like that? Like, you can just tell how long this game has been in development before they ever even showed it to anyone. Mm. It's... Like, yeah. just the pre-production on this must have taken years. Ah, uh, yeah. It's, no it's, wonder they announced it so early. <laughs> they must have been already working on it for a while. Yeah, that's how, I mean, yeah. They, yeah, they had been working on it for quite a while then. This game is just freaking awesome. Like, I don't even know if anything else needs to be said about mm -hmm. it. Like, and I love that it's coming out in 2020, because... It has to. Cyberpunk 2020, you know, yeah. it, it's, it, all, it all feels like it's kind of coming together. It feels like that was a plan all yeah. along. <laughs> they just Could've didn't want to tell us we were going to have to wait that long until it was closer. Yeah, we didn't want to be like, uh, hey, we're doing this thing. It's eight years from now. Yeah. <laughs> but. yeah, I remember when I create. I still remember creating the game page for this when we were when we were working on Sifted before it launched, and I was like, "Dang!" Like they put out a trailer for this when we launched Sifted like three years ago. Yeah, I was like, "This trailer's three years old," and like I'm still gonna add it because it's awesome. But dang, like yeah, and so it's uh it is rounding into form to say the least. Uh, okay, so my pick. And Matt kind of hinted at it a little bit. And I think this will surprise people and maybe disappoint people. Uh, but my pick for the best graphics of E3 2019 is Microsoft Flight Simulator. You can all boo me. I can hear you boo me. I mean, I think this is probably objectively correct. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, look at that. It's, it's amazing. It's photorealistic. Literally photorealistic. You start looking at and these if, cities. If limiting the size of the areas and the scope of things in Luigi's Mansion 3 to make all the detail happen it counts, like so does this. Like yeah, there's not much happening in the in the world here, but like look at it. It's just it's the best graphics. Look at that. It's literally photorealism. Uh yeah, I mean I, when we watched this in the Xbox briefing, like it blew our minds and our jaws dropped. And uh as I started sorting through all the E3 media and looking at games, like I could not find something that looked better than this game. I just couldn't. Mm -hmm. uh, 
certainly art isn't uh, isn't an issue with this because there is no art. It's just no, trying to recreate reality. Well, they're ju they're just like basically taking satellite photos and turning them into three D graphics. Yeah, and uh, it works pretty well. It sure does. I mean, it also the planes does. look great. Like the, yeah, you know, the, yeah. the detail the, on the, the, on the lighting. Planes. I mean, just everything about it. Like when it showed it floating across the ocean, you can see like mm. the fish swimming in the water. Like, are you gonna play it? Maybe. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, but, go, not going to run your own airline? Yeah, but this isn't best playing game of E3 right. 2019. It's the best looking. And to me, this was the best looking game there. So, right. And well, I think this might be like a glimpse. Sometimes I've picked the best graphics for like NBA 2K. You know, I know we're going to play it, but it sure looks nice. Yeah. And I think that might be a glimpse at what we're going to see with Scarlet and, and PlayStation 5. Yeah. And, I, think that's also, I think that's what Microsoft wants you to, yeah? to think about. There, I think too. that little clip that they put in of Halo Infinite in... The Scarlet trailer mm -hmm. is also representative of how Halo is going to look on Scarlet. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Best graphics. We have 16 categories, by the way. I should have said that before we got into these. We added one, I think, and removed two from last year. A couple genres that there just weren't any choices for. Uh, next up, best first-person shooter. Matt, what's your pick? Um, I think it's Doom Eternal. Speaking of a genre that was like almost completely missing from E3, how was it that there were like no first-person shooters at an E3? Wasn't a lot. I mean, what there was this Wolfenstein, Borderlands Three. I, I but you know I consider Technic Borderlands more like a RPG, I guess, than shooter. I would never call. I mean, I know it has that RPG almost. It's a shooter. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's what you're doing almost all the time. And I mean, I guess technically Modern Warfare, but it wasn't. On really the floor. There. Yeah, I didn't consider Modern Warfare for any of this. No. Well, especially because they weren't showing new stuff. It was just the same demo they showed before yeah. at the, in the May, like, whatever you call that was. Their preview. Also, event. like, I don't think it was more interesting than Doom because Doom just, like, I just want to play this. Like, I, I'm very impatient for this game to come out. Did you play it on the floor? Uh, briefly. Um, but, like... Most exciting demo I played at the show. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just Doom 2016, but more. Yeah, and, and I'm okay with that. And bigger and like that's exactly what it should be. And it's like, you know, I'm I'm from the old you know shooter era where like you know it started with Wolfenstein and Doom. And Circle to me, strafers. to me, this is pretty much what shooters should be. Um, you know, like multi to me, multiplayer like military shooters are still kind of newfangled. <laughs> uh, just yeah. blowing demons up in a single player campaign is sort of yeah, what that's I, a what I mean. That's a shooter. <laughs> so yeah, I'm very excited about this. Um, the demo at E3 was great. Yeah, I walked out and my heart was pounding when I yeah. finished. And uh, I'm never gonna get tired of that one kill where you break the guy, break the demon's arm, and then shove his shove broken arm in, into his head. <laughs> like great. yeah, it just it's. And there's just tons of imagination on display here. Like even, I mean, even as sort of like, you know, cliche '90s edge lord as Doom's kind of, you know, the Doom heavy metal cover thing is. Like there's they're they're doing new stuff with it. They're 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 putting their own spin on it. It looks amazing. And like it's a beautiful kind of mix of things you recognize from the old games and things you never would have thought of if they hadn't put it here. And and it's it's great. Graphics engine still screams like yeah, a banshee. Still too. just like like rock like, solid, like butter. Yeah, like it's, and it's it a, does look better than the 2016 yes, game too. It definitely the, does. It, they've and that was it. no slouch. No, definitely not. I'm curious to see if they can cram this one on the Switch. No. no. Well, I mean, <laughs> they crammed the first one on Switch, but not really. I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was like compromised of, in a lot of ways. Yeah, but. definitely. Um, not the least of which is fra frame rate, which yeah. is what really kind of trips my trigger with this this uh, game. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, my pick for best first-person shooter, and again, there weren't a lot of choices, but my pick for best first-person shooter of E3 2019 is 
Ghost Recon Breakpoint. You're probably like, wait a minute, Shane, that's a third-person shooter. It's actually not. You can play the whole game in first person if you want to. And I just want to say that, did you get to see this game at E3? No. I was absolutely right. This game is insane, realistic, like, it's hardcore, man. Like, you're not supposed to walk on the roads in this game, Matt. Seriously, it's so dangerous. Because of the drone patrols? or like... Because the enemies will kill you with, like, two bullets. Like, it is hardcore. Like, uh, this is another game I highly recommend you go watch a developer walkthrough for. It is, it is going back to old-school Ghost Recon. The only thing that this game really has in common with Wildlands is the sink shot. Everything else is completely different. And the what? And the beards. And the beards, yeah. Any operator has yeah, to have the, a beard. Yeah, man. the epic operator beard is sort of a requirement, <laughs> I guess. I was blown away by the developer walkthrough that I watched of this game. And he, it was him and three journalists playing together. And watching him, like, basically walk them through this game, it was great because he was just, like, showing off all the features. Like, there's so much cool little stuff in this game. Like, uh, it's total gun porn, like... And mm -hmm. I think that was pretty much true of Wildlands oh, yeah. as well. And I don't even know if Wildlands... I mean, you could, you could customize pieces of the guns in Wildlands. I didn't even know were pieces, pieces of guns. Pieces of guns, yeah. <laughs> this one's still like that. But the cool part about it is everything in this game is so realistic. So say you're in a menu and you want to put a silencer on your gun and you select it from the radio menu. When it drops away, you pull the silencer out of your bag and screw it onto mm. your gun. Like the whole game is crazy realistic aggro like that um now this is one of the games that i would say that seeing it being played it doesn't look as good as the marketing does like the mud and stuff like when you cover yourself with mud the demo that i saw it does not look as good as kind of what they showed in the initial trailer and things like that but this game it's ghost recon man like it is exactly what i was hoping for from the franchise it is an absolute 180 turn turn in tone and and uh and a shift in tone for for the franchise it is going back to what kind of ghost recon was before while still incorporating a lot of you know the the modern techniques of creating a modern video game i was more than pleasantly surprised by this um doom was obviously my runner-up pick i also was blown away both games deserve recognition from e3 they had great showings uh but because ghost recon gave me what i was hoping for I gave it the nod and uh, gave it the win for the best first-person shooter of E3. I'm still curious as to how the people who actually play it when it's in the wild are going to break all that and just play it like a standard arcade shooter. I don't think you can. You can always do Because that. one of the guys, so here's an example of, of what happened. So they were up on a ridge and they were spying like an encampment that they were going to go and invade. And while they were doing that and using binoculars and not looking right below them, uh patrol of three guys started walking up the road below them and noticed them and killed two of them before the other two could get out of their binoculars and like get down like it's mm -hmm. hardcore like they said like oh, you always need to get the initiative on the enemies if the enemies ever get initiative on you you're dead like they, if they see you first you die that's pretty much how the whole game is set up so you have to sneak they said you always got to stay off the roads unless you're in a vehicle that can outrun other vehicles it's just this crazy sneak and creep against really intelligent AI enemies. So do you think that it will impact the sales 
because it's maybe, not as accessible. Maybe. As I don't care. I don't right. care at all. I'm just happy I'm getting the game that I want. But yeah, probably. I think once the word spreads about how tough it is, and you know, maybe they nerf it ultimately or create like an easier mode for people. I don't know. But what they were showing on E3 was brutally tough. And that's exactly what I want from this franchise. So it wins for me. Next up, best indie game. Lots of great indie games at E3. In yep. fact, I went to our E3 hub and sifted it by indie, and it probably is one of the biggest categories yeah, that we have. It was definitely the largest category that I saw. Yeah, there's just tons and tons of stuff, but a lot of really good stuff. This was one of my hardest decisions, Matt. What did you pick? Uh, still on the Psychonauts 2. And that, you know what, that completely slipped my mind. Because Psychonauts, it doesn't look like an indie game. No, it really does. But a but lot of indie games don't look is. like an indie game. I mean, this one especially. Because it's like a 3D yeah. platformer with like full-on rendered cinematics and all the stuff you usually don't get in indie games. But it is technically an indie game. Yeah. Self-published, self-funded. Um, yeah. Self, self and crowdfunded. Yeah. It's, it's an indie game. Their last indie game. Yeah, that's it. Now That'll be the last one. Now they're part of the corporate machinery. <laughs> yep, I'm sure. Uh... Cyberpunk Double Fine 2077. <laughs> I'd buy that. But um, no, as this one, you know, there's a lot of great indie games. Uh, it was there was a lot of different ones where I'm like. But the competition for second place was very fierce. But there was nothing else I saw. This in completely indie. slipped this, my mind. This, this one, this one nailed it. And also, I mean, it's it's my kind of thing. It's a as someone who misses when Tim Burton was good, um, like this is kind of the same sort of aesthetic. It is kind for of sure. Thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, and it was just nice to kind of like have my hype uh, for this game like rekindled because it was just sort of one of those things where I was like, it's coming, I'm gonna play it, it's fine. And then like I was like, oh yeah, I love this game. I oh love yeah, these and games. this is awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like to the point that I didn't even really, I didn't even play the VR game. Oh, you didn't. Um, and now I probably will. Rhombus of Ruin. Rhombus of Ruin, which is actually it's. So the, the 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 first game ends. Rhombus of Ruin takes place the following day, and this game takes place the day after, yeah, after that. that. Yeah, so, <laughs> definitely got a continuity going. So the, what's happening at the beginning of this game is directly related to what happens in Rhombus of Ruin. So uh, I'll probably go back and, and play that now because now I'm like I I feel the, I feel the need for some Psychonauts. Yeah. Uh, let's see. My pick for best indie game, and again, this is one of the hardest categories to pick. Uh, you could have picked ten different games, and there's no wrong answer really. Yeah. Uh, but my pick is Hollow Knight Silk Song. Uh, Hollow Knight, the original, is one of the few side-scrolling 2D games that I've played in a long time where I actually enjoyed the crap out of it. Um, did you finish it? No. That game is huge. It's huge, yeah. I never did finish it, but I loved it. And this is a sequel. At first, when I, when I heard about this game, I thought it was just kind of like DLC for it. Yeah, I thought this was like an expandalone no, thing at first, I mean, but I guess it's a full... It's the really oh, they're the calling second. it the full sequel, yeah. Yeah, they uh, even in this trailer, I think there's some verbiage in it that says, you know, our our first sequel ever or our mm. second game or something like that. Um, I like I, I like the changes that they've made for the sequel. In fact, I think I may like this better than the original. Mm -hmm. um, and they have made some pretty significant changes to it. Um, I uh, I like the movement in this better already. Yep. Oh yeah, it's way smoother, way more fluid. Um, I don't think it's coming right now for all platforms, though. I think it's like PC, Switch, and like one other one. Like, I don't think it's. I don't know. I don't think it's announced for all of them yet. But this game made a huge impression on me in the show. It plays like butter. It just feels good playing it. And it's a lot more varied than the first game as well. Uh, they switch up the gameplay styles a lot more than they did in the first one. It's not just really like a, just a jump and bop game like the first one. 
Um, I love the aesthetic of the game, the atmosphere of the game. Um, if you, this is another game. You should go watch a developer walkthrough for this because it is very, very moody. Um, and this is typically a game that does not play well on the E3 show floor because it's hard to kind of get that from games. But it's yeah, so... Metroidvanias in general are kind of hard to demo. It is. But it's so overtly powerful in those ways that it, I still got it from the E3 show floor. So, uh, yeah, my pick for best indie game, I don't think many people will complain about this one, is Hollow Knight Silksong. Mm -hmm. All right. It's time to talk about the best RPG at E3 2019. But honestly... That could be just about any game at E3 2019 at this point. Almost every game has some kind of progression built into it at this point. It's, it's yeah, just... Yeah, but I think, I think it's time to give up on trying to call that how, what, what defines an RPG. Yeah. It's like saying anything with a gun in it is a shooter. Yeah. You know, like, like yes, there's the, the, the idea of, like, progression and leveling or, or giving you some kind of attachment to the progression of your character over the course of the game is just a standard way... That's just keep, a video game engaged. now. No, that's just how it is. <laughs> it's just a video gonna, game. You know, an RPG has to, you have to really focus on putting you in a role and making you part of that world and part of that story. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's pretty much how I, I kind of draw that very fuzzy line now between that and say, like I would still call Assassin's Creed Odyssey like an action RPG. Yeah. Because you have the dialogue choices. Yeah, and yeah. It. But I probably wouldn't call Assassin's Creed Origins an action RPG. Like Watch Dogs Legion is kind of skirting that line like hardcore. Like that might even be a new form of RPG because you're not playing any one role. You're, you're playing, playing every role. You're playing every role or you're kind of playing an idea. Yeah. Almost. Like you're playing the idea of resistance. That's true. Infecting everyone. Yeah. And kind of creating this legion. The waters just keep getting muddier with yeah, every year. There's some game that comes out, you're like, but wait a minute, where do I put this one? Yeah. Like, it's crazy. It's good to see. That's progression. Yeah. That's what we need to see in our industry. The more you can confuse me with your genre choice, the better, because it means someone might come up with a new one one day. Yep. Oh, and by the way, we, we didn't even gave our winner. We both picked the same game, Cyberpunk, oh, Cyberpunk. 2077. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, until it comes out, this is pretty much... It's going to win everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is and it deserves it i mean that's just the truth it deserves to win everything that it does basically i have i've not found a weakness of this game yet have you um well i mean it is having some uh some cultural issues cultural issues on twitter uh but at least cd project is a, is addressing them yeah which is better than their previous strategy of uh saying si f off being silent and or <laughs> mocking yeah people that so uh, I, th I, th I think, you know, they got some time. That I think they'll get there. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, there's sort of an Eastern Europe sort of Western clash with that sort of value idea. Um, and, like, I get where pe people are coming from on it, but it's like, uh, I don't think you're gonna, I don't think anything can stop this train, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like it's I can't wait to see if somebody who chooses not to buy it because of that. Good luck with that one. That's going to be a hard, that hard one for most people, I think. <laughs> I mean, the... the I mean, you're already at things like, oh, should I should I wait until the next generation systems to play? It's like you're not waiting until the next. No, that's like, that's like six months. You're not waiting six months to play this no game. No way. No, I cannot wait to get this game. I cannot wait. Uh, so there you go, Cyberpunk 2077 best RPG. You knew that as soon as you saw the next best RPG on the previous category, yeah. you knew which game was going to win it. We'll see about the um, like the shooting doesn't look amazing. It is though. Is it? Yeah, it is. 
That, a lot. There's been some disagreement on that. There's been some people that were not impressed by that. But uh, I think it is. If you don't like the shooting, you can just not kill anybody. Yeah, in the you game. can play it completely non-lethal, yeah. which wasn't a thing, and now it is. Yeah, before they said you might have to. You'd have to get violent a couple places, but it seems like they've now you don't have to. That. Yep. Uh, next up, here's a category where you can see the changing of the times at E3 2019. Yeah, not much here. I mean, even last year, every booth had token VR. And usually yeah. it was on the outside of the booth to try to get people to come into the booth, but they'd have a little like roped off area where they'd have somebody with a helmet on, like staring up at the ceiling or whatever. Yeah, there was like all an that's level. gone. All of it's gone. Like VR was almost non-existent at E3 2019, yeah, had, uh, unless you searched for it. You went, yeah, you go looking. Like Bethesda still had it. Um, I mean, Oculus had a booth next to Nintendo. Yep. Um, which I didn't actually go in. <laughs> But like, I didn't go in. I wandered around to see kind of what they were showing to see if I needed to go in, and it didn't look like I yeah, did. Yeah, it was just they just said the quest and yeah. that kind of. I mean, which is cool. Yeah, cool, that's cool probably worth going in for. I did enjoy. I saw some. I think it was on Twitter or something. I think it was Twitter where somebody said they went into Best Buy the day the Oculus Quest came out and said, "Hey," it said to the guy at the door, "Do you have any quests left?" And the guy was like. You want a quest? You playing Pokemon <laughs> Go or something? <laughs> and he didn't know. He didn't get that. Like, he, he thought he was going to tell right. him to go fetch a sword or right, something. Right. He didn't know he meant Oculus stuff. I thought that yeah. was funny. But um, I got I got to admit, I, I I have like half an eye on the Oculus Quest just because it's... Because it's, it's awesome. That self-contained sort uh, of thing and like the Vader thing's coming up. I just I, feel like in two more years, it's just going to be so much better and so much cheaper. Yeah, And exactly. I already got burned so bad on PlayStation VR that like... I yeah. mean, I basically just flushed $400 down the toilet with PlayStation VR because of my illness. Because of your emotions. And I should have yeah. known beforehand that if I'm going to play VR, I should have bought the best one instead of the worst one. I mean, I don't know if that would make a much, much of a difference. Really? For you. I, mean, I, I mean, if I ever set my, my HTC Vive up again, you can try it and see if it makes you sick. It probably will. I mean, I mean, I had tried VR before I ever bought it, but I had not really tried PlayStation VR that much. Mm -hmm. I had played, like, the higher-end models mm -hmm. at, like, trade shows or whatever. Well, my, my pick here uh, might be okay for you because it's not a lot of motion. Okay. Um, it is uh, Wolfenstein's Cyberpilot. And it is more of a turret shooter where you jump from yeah, I can probably one deal thing with this to the one. other. Um, is it even coming to PSVR, though? Uh, you know, I don't know, but probably, I would think. I think if you're, or not eventually. Putting, if you're not putting something on PSVR, I feel like you're leaving money on the table. Definitely. Leave, probably leaving the most of your money on the um, table. And this is, I mean, this is not the most exciting game I've ever seen, but it is um, a type of VR game that I enjoy in general. I certainly enjoyed stuff like Gunjack and... And sort of just like you know, running rampant around somewhere and blowing stuff up and shooting things. And I mean, most VR shooters are like this. Yeah, um, most of them do not let you move. And the world of Wolfenstein, like the Wolfenstein world of like kind of the the alternate timeline, I think is cool. I think the diesel punk aesthetic is cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, v I think VR was pretty much a dud this year at it, E3, it and was, this was yeah. the only thing that caught my attention. It's it's honestly mainly because of the IP, because I like the IP, and uh, I, when it comes out, I will play it, and that is a that I will, when it comes out, I will buy it. And that is about as high Good recommendation as, <laughs> as I can give a VR game right now. Well, Matt, I'm about to show you a game that I think is going to change your mind. Oh, yeah? Um, I have never heard of this. Wait till you see this. My pick for best VR game of E3 2019 is a game called Pistol Whip. It is... So I just said, most VR shooters, you don't move. You do move in this one, but it moves for you. So you're constantly being forced through the world. Mm. <clears throat> so it has like a big point component to it. 
but it also has a music and rhythm element to it, like Beat Saber. So the object of the game is to shoot to the beat. Hmm. And it's also mixed reality. So you're actually in the game in kind of an AR kind of way. And it's crazy action-packed. I love the art style. It's, it's kind of like super hot, crossed with Beat Saber. Crossed with Virtua Cop. Yeah. It's, it's, like a it's light gun freaking shooter, yeah. awesome. Like, this is the probably the coolest VR game I think I've ever seen. Um, other than... I don't know if it beats Star Trek. I love Star Trek. Oh, yeah. But, uh, that always no, have a place no, yeah, in my you're heart. you're right. This, this, this catches my attention. I didn't know about this. You know, Superhot is like, has blown up in VR. Oh, yeah. And this is kind of like it. Superhot works really well in VR. It does, yeah. And I kind of knew that when I played it in non-VR. I was like, oh, this is going to be a good VR game. This game looks awesome. I do not think, though, that it's announced for PlayStation VR. I think it's announced for everything but. Mm -hmm. Because PlayStation VR just doesn't do mixed reality. No, it does, I don't think it's a camera that can do that. That can really. do it. And uh, so this is going to be available for the high, higher end VR uh, HMDs, but the game looks ace, man. Like, Beat Saber is the biggest VR game. Yes. So anytime you can tie kind of that whole idea of you stand still and the world comes at you into it, people are going to get it shooting to the beat. You ever played a shooter where you shot to the beat? It sounds familiar, actually, but I can't name it. I can't think of any. Um, sort of res, but you didn't have yeah. control over that. It was more like whenever you locked on, whenever you shot it, it automatically made it part of the beat. Yeah, it didn't reward you either yeah. for being good at it and timing it. So this is, to me, this is the type of stuff I think VR needs to get a shot in the arm to get people excited mm -hmm. about it again. Well, I think definitely Beat Saber proved that uh, that's your in right now. Yeah. Like if you want people that don't have VR to adopt VR... Like, this kind of thing is, is what works. And unfortunately... Just, just Dance should maybe take a look you at know, this. No, you're right. And unfortunately, Beat Saber does, like, the PSVR version of it sucks. Like, I wanted to, like, get it and play it, and I like every review for it. It's like, it's terrible. So, mm. and this isn't coming to PlayStation VR either. Again, I feel like I just flushed $400 down the toilet, but... Uh, maybe you should sell it before... I'll be, you're maybe, that's a good idea, actually. time comes... I mean, because surely the PSVR 2, you'll know one way or the other by the time that comes out. I think I know already that that's coming, but it's like I'm not going to really want to play anything. I mean, by on the time that comes out, you'll, oh, be right. to, you'll be able to make a more uh, informed decision. Good point on that one. That's true. But I, I'm just saying, get rid of if you don't want if you don't like the PSVR, get rid of it before the PSVR two is announced and the price for that for the PSVR one tanks plummets. That's a good idea. And they did not announce it at E3. No, because well, they, they weren't, weren't there. there. Yeah. So yeah. Well, they could announce it at like. In December or something at PSX. Yeah, well, I mean, I just just do it if you, for some reason, need to use it. You can just come use mine. Yeah, it's not like I even play it anyway. No. I'm not going to miss anything. We'll keep a bucket next to the couch. <laughs> All right, next up is Best Action Adventure. As we always say during our Best of E3 or our Game of the Year Awards, a dying genre that's usually hard to find winners in. Although this E3, there was a bunch of them. Yeah, there was a number I mean, Avengers is basically an action adventure. Yeah. Um, Control is basically an action adventure. You're, you're edging up to action adventure with Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, kind of. Like it's it's probably closer to that than RPG. You're, you're on the edge, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's kind of in no man's land. Yeah, the Final Fantasy VII <laughs> remake. Uh, but anyway, what we have the same winner for this one, yeah. and people are probably not going to be surprised. The winner is Watch Dogs, Dogs Legion. Legion. Uh, this is, again, like top five game of the show candidate. Um, one of the coolest games I've seen in quite a while at E3. Uh, 
I don't know more what more we can say about it. It's I don't know. Just everything that they showed you at the press conference is real. It's legit. It happens. Mm. It works. Uh, I was skeptical about it, and then I saw a demo of it, and I was like, "Damn!" Like more. There's more yeah. in this than what they showed. I almost feel like they held back a little bit to not overwhelm people with like all the stuff yep. in this game. And even you know, even the people I know who like are involved with with this game, they're like, "Oh yeah, like like we're they're all very happy because." they feel like it's being portrayed accurately. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no like weird, like, oh, we're going to hide this thing by claiming it's something different or we're going to like obscure this part of the game because it's not working right. No, it's all out there. What they're saying it does is in fact what it does and it is in fact what they're trying to make it do. It's... Um, I will say this. When I said earlier that there are some games that look better in their marketing materials than they do in person, mm -hmm. this is one of them. Oh, like, yeah, when you're actually out on the street? Yeah, I mean... A, Ubisoft does that. B, um, it feels like the PC version of this game is going to be a lot better looking. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, like the PS4 version of this game is not really a looker, man. Mm -hmm. Like the character models especially look bad. And some of the facial animation, and that's something that probably will go across like all of them, isn't very good. Like it's, it's kind of weird. It's like a dichotomy because you have this team, and they say this is the Assassin's Creed Odyssey team. I don't know about that. Like, how do you get this whole game done in, like, a year? Like, I just, I think they worked on it, for sure. There were some people on that team that worked on this, mm -hmm. but I don't think, like, it was as built from the beginning. As I understand it, the f like, the full staff up was when Odyssey was finished. Oh, okay. So, like, it was kind of a thing where, like, people have been working on this for a long time. And then they came in and to help then, polish and, like, it off. Bit, yeah, because, I mean, when you're talking about full staff on a Ubisoft game, you're talking about four, five hundred people. Oh, so, I mean, if you were watch that one about For Honor, at the end of that, they had, like, a thousand oh, yeah. people working on well, it. If you're including, like, international testing yeah. and, and localization, I mean, yeah, you're talking about thousands of people getting... This one of these international releases done. Yep. But in terms of sort of finishing the game, game, I think you're you're talking about a four or five hundred person team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ubisoft doesn't really have studios anymore. Its studios start the game, and then at the mm -hmm. end of the game, like all of them just jump on it. And... Yeah, it's almost like distributed computing. Yeah, you're right. That's a good way to put it. Um, but don't get me wrong, it doesn't look as good playing it on like PS4 as it did and all that material, mm -hmm. but it plays even better than I thought it was going to. Yeah, the playing it is kind of the point There's here. There's so many little cool things in that game that just happen out of nowhere or just mm -hmm. scanning people and the, the amount of information. Yeah, the scanning people stuff I'm very happy with. And then you think, you're like, oh, okay, this can't like really like impact how the, it, how you control this character or how affected, and it, all of it absolutely does. It's like when they first said you could play any NPC, I was like, yeah, sure. Like you're going to have like, three archetypes and it's just going to be copy and paste across all the mp no like every one of them has like and they go about and do the stuff they're supposed to be doing mm. like if you scan someone and it's like oh he's a delivery driver like if you follow him long enough he'll get into a car and he'll start delivering crap like mm -hmm. it's crazy dude well, that, that stuff like like if you, the thing that i'm really excited about is the impact you have on the world and how they react properly to what you've done so like if you have an NPC who is married and you kill that NPC's wife, instead of going to work or going to on a date with the wife, or like, you know, going to the date location without the wife, he will go to the graveyard. Yeah. Where she's buried and, and mourn her. And it's, it's just crazy, like, man. And like when you do stuff for your own Legion people and like say one of them gets arrested, you can, uh, if you get that, get 
character out of jail, if you break him out of jail, his family will like you better, will like the <laughs> resistance better because the resistance took care of their own. It's really like, mind-boggling. It's like the amount of like kind of a like and like kind of community and NPC opinion stuff you can have like going on this is amazing. And they haven't even talked about multiplayer stuff. I know. Yet. I know. There's always some interesting mingle player, multiplayer stuff in these Watch Dogs games, and I'm very interested to see what that's going to be. And it looks so good already, and it still has another eight, nine months in the yeah. cooker. So this game... The only downside for this is it comes out a month before Cyberpunk. That's okay. Um, that's perfect. I mean, the downside for it, not us. No, I mean, that's, it's still okay. Like, you still have a month to play it. I mean, most people... No, I mean, gonna... mean sales-wise, I think it might After have that its month, legs it's cut it's out chopped. from under yeah. because it's, it's similar subject matter. yeah. They even look similar at times. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's the neon drenched sort of nighttime yeah. stuff. Yeah, I can see a similarity, but uh, I think the art style of cyberpunk carries it further. For sure. So there you go. That's best action adventure from both of us. Up next, best strategy game. Uh, I thought this might be a genre that we were going to have problems pulling enough, like, a nominee from, but no. Like, go... <laughs> Go sift our E3 hub by by this genre, and you'll see strategy was big at E3 this year. I had problems. I I actually had three different games on this before I finally settled on the one that I picked. I didn't have that much of much of a problem, um, just because this. Because I had yours at first, the one that Mm -hmm. you picked at first. I did a little more digging, and then I had I had uh, John Wick. John and then Wick, I did I a little more digging. And John Wick, I, I didn't get to see actually. I heard it was good. It's good, man. Yeah. Um, but my pick is, uh, I think, the same as last year, yeah. which is Fire, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, I really cannot emphasize how much I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, I mean, part because it's so close. But, like, I love, you know, I love Fire Emblem. It's one of my favorite Nintendo franchises. Uh, what they're doing with this, like, really makes me interested. I love, like, the, they revealed that there's, because like, originally I thought, oh, it's going to be like a high school, like, kind of a, like a Harry Potter Academy sort of thing. But in this, they reveal, it's like, there's a five-year leap at one point, and everybody comes back for a reunion, and everybody tries to kill each other. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's great. I guess it's even better. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Like, it's not like there was any, like, huge, like, mind-boggling revelations this, this uh, E3 about this game. But, like, there is, in the strategy genre, which is not something that really holds my attention a whole lot anymore, uh, there is just nothing else even remotely close to this on my radar. Um, although, uh, I guess if I had to pick a runner-up, I thought Evil Genius 2 looked pretty neat. There's a lot of good strategy. There was a lot yeah. of good strategy games at E3, for Evil sure. Evil Genius 2, another sequel, like, 15 years after the original. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's cool to see some of these, these creators going back to these games that had so much potential that you'd think would be long dead now. But uh, they're still willing to go back and do it and try it again. That's why you got to always hold on to your IP, man. Yes. Always hold on to your IP and your goddamn source code. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, there's a Twitter thread about all Square Enix's, like, porting woes. Over because the years, they don't have the source, they don't have code. source code or they don't have any communication lines set up between like the, the international stuff and the Japanese stuff or like like we're like to get the back the, the pre-rendered backgrounds out of Final Fantasy 7 the local the PC team had to pull them out of the old I mean it was this I can't remember who twi- who did it but if you just like probably search Twitter for like Square Enix porting problems you'll probably find it's like it's like 30 tweets long of all these weird things oh they had to gosh. do. And then people are like, oh, wow, Square Enix is so bad at this. And, and then the person who posted the thread is like, no, this is pretty much all developments. Just Square Enix's stuff gets known eventually. Yeah. Uh, and it's just the amount of weird little tricks and hoops that the people who made like the modern ports of the classic games had to go through. It's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, save your source code, folks. Like everybody, everybody archive that stuff properly.
and hold on to your IP. And your IP. You never know. You never know when that's going to suddenly be valuable again. Yep. My pick for best strategy game is Age of Wonders Planetfall. I am a sucker for Civ. However, Civ, it's... It's not really a thing right now. Yeah, I mean, well, it kind of is because they keep releasing like new expansions for, this, for it. For six, yeah. But yeah. it never goes as far as this mm-hmm. in the sci-fi realm. Like Civ games, they'll go into the future sometimes. Like you can like blast off into space sometimes, but it's never stuff like this, where it's just crazy like far future sci-fi mechs and spaceships and things like that. And so it's to me, it's like a nice change of pace, a nice twist on the Civ franchise. I just got. Done. I mean, I guess I'm done playing Civ. Are you ever done playing a Civ game? Seems like every time I, I say that, like I end up booting it up again and like mm-hmm. playing it for for some more. I like 4X strategy games a lot. Like that's just kind of my wheelhouse for strategy. And this game looks dope. I think it's going to end up scoring real big, and uh, I think it's going to be the next big installment mm-hmm. in that genre for folks who like it. You know what I'd love to see a remaster of? Rise of Legends. Yeah. Remember that? Remember yeah, the, I do remember it. Yeah. The, the, the uh, Rise of Empire was it? Was it Rise of Nations? Rise of Nations. The Rise yeah. of Nations guys did. Uh, it was basically like a weird steampunk magical myth thing, and like I don't think anybody really played it, but I I loved it. This game has a lot was, of. It, weird... I was reminded of it by this. Yeah, thing. yeah. I was gonna say this game has when a the, similar. When the gaggle of like killer attack penguins. Right. Like, yeah. right. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of like Rise of Legends. I like that though. I like how it's like kind of off kilter yeah. a little bit. Um, we kind of get that play it straight aesthetic from the Civ franchise. It's good to mm-hmm. see. And look, the developer that's making this, their games are always crazy polished and crazy good. So, you know, sometimes you see games that do something goofy and then you play them, you're like, oh, well, the rest of the game sucks. That's not going to be the case with this one. So as a 4X strategy head, uh, it wins for my best strategy game of E3 2019. Now, a genre that we kind of cracked open a little bit this year. It included both 2D and 3D in the same category, and that is Best Platformer. Matt, what did you pick? And that's purely because there's, like, no 3D platformers left. Yeah, there's not a lot. But there is one, and it's Psychonauts 2. Yep, <laughs> that's right. I'm just going to keep saying Psychonauts 2 all day. And that's <laughs> it might, it's probably your most awarded game of the whole award. Yeah, It'll be interesting to so. count it up and see if Cyberpunk or that wins more. Yeah, I don't know. Like second, I mean, Psychonauts Two is kind of my kind of my shit. It's your jam. Like, yeah, always has been. That game, I fell in love with that game. The first game when I played it, just in a way I wasn't ready for. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Don't really need to say anything don't, else. Don't about have it. much else to say about Psychonauts. <laughs> is great. There like, it is. G four number six best Xbox. Number case. six. What the hell was ahead of it? <laughs> well, you probably helped pick it. Yeah, but that sounds like an argument I lost. <laughs> Uh, okay, my pick for best platform, and this might surprise some people, is Super Mario Maker 2. Hmm. It was the best platformer I played at E3. You didn't even want to play that before. I know, I know. But again, I think the pickings were pretty slim. I mean, yeah, but still. And in a lot of the indie stuff, it's like there aren't that many just straight platformers on indie anymore. They're always like action adventures or Metroidvanias or whatever. Um, and I don't really like most of the indie platformers that are just like, hey, we're going to make this as hard as possible to see how long you'll last before you mm-hmm. get pissed off and throw your controller. Um, the stuff that I played of Super Mario Maker 2 at E3, like the stuff that had been built by the Nintendo folks, was pretty freaking mind-boggling. Mm. Um, I think that they did some demos of it on the Treehouse stage of the same stuff that I played. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but I had a lot of fun with it. 
Uh, I didn't spend any time actually building stuff. Like, you guys kind of shuffle you in and like, hey, pick, mm -hmm. pick a level and play. But what I played was really fun, man. Like, I had a good time with it. Uh, way more fun than I really thought that I would. Um, this game is going to do really, really well, I think, both mm -hmm. with critics and uh, commercially at uh, retail. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt on that. If you figure the first one sold like $2 million on Wii U, this is going to sell probably like 8 or 9 at least yeah. on Switch. Um, so, yeah, I, I was actually, I wouldn't say I've completely changed my mind on it. It's not like I hate it or anything, but it to me, it was the best platformer there. Um, and I am usually partial to 3D platformers as well. Hmm. I should provide one caveat, though. I did not get to check out the new ukulele. Did you? No, I walked past it, but I never... Was it on the floor, like playable? There was a booth with it. On, in, oh. in, in, I think it was like a, a closed door thing you Dang. had to get into. But um, I, yeah, did, I never saw I it. I did walk by a booth that had the logo for it on it. I just was on my way somewhere else and couldn't stop for it. Yeah, so I didn't get to check it out, so I couldn't, couldn't uh, give it the win. But mm -hmm. uh, I, I, this is probably the best platformer at E3. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 2D when it stuff, comes down I, to I, it. I mean, how are you going to top Mario? Yeah, and endless Mario, basically. Yeah, Mario that doesn't stop. Yep. All right, we're coming to the end of our genre awards. We have two more genres left, and then we get into kind of the uh, more fun stuff. I mean, it's all fun, but mm -hmm. then we get into more, I don't know what the word is to use to describe our, our last, like, four or five. Kind of more broad. Yeah. Uh, but next up is best driving game and only driving game <laughs> like this is the one category that when i was poking around looking at like, like if there were anyone else had put their e3 picks up and most no i don't think anybody had except ign but like ign had theirs up and is the only category with no runners up yeah there are a couple other driving games but couple, they're indie but, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like mm. there's only one clear choice yeah. and that is Forza Horizon, Horizon 4, Lego, Lego Speed, Speed Champions. Champions. <laughs> Everything is awesome. Well, I mean, the good news is, and like, sometimes we would eliminate this category altogether. Like, we don't have fighting this year because yeah. there was like one candidate there that like wasn't three, even good. There were three things. There were three fighting games I noticed. Uh, there was uh, Mortal Kombat with the new character. Yeah. There was Grand. See, I try not to reward stuff like that. There was Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, yeah. which, is, which is actually good. It's you know Arc System. Arc System works making a fighting game out of a out of a mobile RPG, but <laughs> it looks amazing. It plays well. It looks amazing. It was Exceed had it there, um, but it's sort of like the default winner. Because and then uh, SNK like put out some announcement stuff for Samurai Showdown, but I don't think it was there. It wasn't at the show. Yep. Yeah. I did. I did run into a guy who's working on it, but I didn't see the game. Yeah. So. Yeah. So anyway, fighting was eliminated this year, but this one was not. Um, and because this is awesome, like this probably would have won yeah. even if there were other good the best fighting games. Ga the best fighting games at E3 were on all those retro arcade things. No, yeah, you're right. Because it was all, all <laughs> the Marvel stuff games. and Street Fighter and all yeah. that. Yeah. But for those of you who don't know, this isn't just like a DLC pack where they give you cars made out of Legos. This like completely transforms the game from mm. the ground up. Yeah, this is their ver this is For Forza Horizon 4's version of that Hot Wheels expansion for three. Yeah. Which. Uh, is exactly what they needed to, to keep on because that expansion was amazing and this expansion looks like it will also be amazing. And Forza Horizon 4 is amazing. Yep. Best driving game of this generation, in my opinion. So, uh, big, huge, beefy, chunky DLC drop that's stylized like this and worked worked mm -hmm. on in conjunction with LEGO to make sure it's all legit. It was out yesterday, easy. I think. Right? Yeah, easy winner. And you can go get it right now. Yep. That's the best part about it. Um... 
And here we go. Our last genre award for Best of E3 2019, and it is Best Adventure Game. Mm -hmm. Matt, what's your pick? My pick is uh, the game you wouldn't stop making fun of. Uh, <laughs> 12 Minutes. Um, this top-down uh, sort of story-driven adventure game that puts you in uh, like a time causality loop uh, where... Uh, your wife is accused of something and like you can either you can end up like fleeing from the cops or fighting people in your house or like w killed or she gets killed or they get I mean like basically you're playing through the same 12 minutes loop over and over, over and over to see if you can like figure it out and it looks like your character judging by this first opening conversation is aware of it as you move forward yeah that he's in like the paradox yeah. or whatever yeah um which is like a, a pretty uh, becoming a more and more common trope. In I mean, it was just in uh, the outer the outer wilds, not to be confused with the outer worlds. Well, I mean, it's Groundhog Day. Yeah, but I mean, Groundhog Day didn't invent that. Right. Um, what did invent it? Um, I don't know for sure, but I'm gonna guess Ray Bradbury had something. To do with <laughs> Probably. <it. laughs> um, That's a pretty good guess. But I like the time loop idea if you have yeah. like, if you have something like to say with it, and uh, I love the perspective here. I love like the top down thing where like you're, you're kind of this like god's eye view of this thing yeah. and sort of how it keeps you sort of weirdly detached from the loop idea and sort of you know there's an element of maybe you are god as you, the yeah player. there's an element of moving pieces around right. that is board. both an interesting gameplay idea and also sort of like thematically disturbing yeah. And um, I just thought this was the I, this is one that I really would like to be. I can't, I'm looking forward to being able to sit down and play on my own time without the pressures of a show floor and a and, the, and a uh, a big event with five thousand other games around it. Like I, I can see myself digging into this pretty hard. My question would be, how long is it? I don't know, but like that ties in with how much does it cost, and right. I'm hoping it's no, like you're right. <laughs> fifteen bucks or ten yeah, bucks yeah. would be kind of appropriate. Definitely a cool concept. Yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, and my pick for best adventure game of E3 2019 is Way to the Woods. You just can't get over this deer thing. I love like, it. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought that, like deer pushing shit was like Shane's, <laughs> Shane's weakness? I think it's a cool idea. Like I love I like anything where it's like the the parent animal trying to help or rescue or nurture or raise the the offspring, the sibling. But this game also has like a like a psychedelic mm -hmm. sort of spiritual. There's a, there's a magical realist element to it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it is appealing. Yeah. And what was that game for PlayStation Three that had all the animals running through downtown? Um, what was it called? Tokyo. Tokyo's, Tokyo Jungle. Jungle. Tokyo Jungle. Yeah, yeah. Tokyo Jungle. It gives me a little bit of a vibe of that, except it's like it's it's very polished. Well, yeah. Tokyo Jungle <laughs> was much more violent and and. Um, uh, like it wasn't care. It was like you you couldn't get too attached to your creatures. This right. This is clearly a, you know, your your Bambi and his dad as opposed to basic, and man is in the forest. So uh, let's dig out. Yeah, uh, but you can see it's mo the puzzles. Like you looks like you have to work together with both the the parent and the yeah. the doe or the buck. He's a buck. Yeah, I guess he is a buck. You got yeah. antlers as a buck. Yeah. I was thinking well, of fawn though. Is what I was thinking of. Oh, fawn. Yeah. Um. You got to work together as a team. I know ultimately one of the two is going to die, and they're going to build this crazy, mm. awesome relationship together, and it's going to get you all weepy when one of them passes away. I can see it coming already. 
and I'm totally ready for it. I so, guess when the buck dies, and then you have to take over as the fawn. And grow up into the buck the, that then has the fawn, the fawn can, uh, and it's just a game that goes on into infinity. I don't know if it's that, <laughs> but I, I'm sure the fawn will learn all the uh, moves of his dad by the end of the game. For a, for a, you know, a big part of indie for me is unique ideas, because... I don't really like indie games that are trying to make big budget games on a small budget because then they end up feeling like budget games. I like indie games that take the fact that they have a small team and then they maximize the fact that they're a small team to do something different and unique. And to me, this is sort of the the perfect example of that. It's mm-hmm. like, you know what? Like, we're going to make this crazy game about sort of parents and their offspring, um, but... At the same time, we're going to use these cute animals as like a Trojan horse to get people into it instead of just using human beings. Yeah. And then there's like the whole like magical element to it as well. Like you couldn't get away with that with, with the game that you spent, you know, $100 million making. Yeah. But you can get you away with al- that here. You could also describe uh, Into the Woods or Night in the Woods with that same description. Absolutely. Yep. So clearly the trick is to put animals in the game and put woods in the title and Shane, <laughs> Shane will <laughs> like it. That's true. That's funny. <laughs> all right so that's we it found for- the formula <laughs> uh so that's it for our genre awards now we're gonna get into some fun you, stuff if you can make tiger woods like a cat person or something you, you're gonna win <laughs> shane's sports game of the year with that i don't know if they've ever made a golfing game with animals even I don't know. even playstation's golf game everyone's golf never did that animal crossing golf coming up yep next up is the category that was the hardest for me to pick of all of them. Because everything was a trailer. Because there's so many. <laughs> and there's so many good ones. Yeah. There's a lot of good trailers. And so best trailer is up next. Matt, what did you pick and why? Uh, my favorite is the Super Smash Brothers Banjo-Kazooie reveal trailer. Uh, because I love a good troll. Yeah. And that's exactly and, um, what it was. And I like the ups and downs on this. I watched this. In, I actually watched this happen in the IGN War Room. Uh, off-site. And... Um, it, you know, can't, comes up with uh, with these three, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's rare. It's gonna be banjo. It's ban- It's gotta be the banjo thing. It's gotta be the banjo thing." And then they come out and they look and they see this this silhouette, and you're like, "Clearly banjo. It's a it's a it's a bear with a bird on its head." And nope, it's the freaking dog from Duck Hunt. It's <laughs> like it's like yeah. you already hate that dog anyway, yeah. and now you hate him even more. <laughs> And they but you just, still knew they it was just keep be it going, banjo. keep it going, and then and then the real shit comes down, and it's great. Yeah. So I mean, we were all kind of like thinking this was going to happen at some point. Um, you know. Oh, we called it so, weeks oh, before yeah. E3. And uh, you know, it's it makes it definitely makes the roster feel more complete in terms of kind of. They look I, way different though, Banjo and Kazooie. They look different all the time. I can't. No one can decide. Yeah, on they our can't style seem to settle thing. on what they're supposed to look like. I don't um, get it. I like this better than like nuts and bolts. Banjo Not agree with that. Yeah. But um, also one of the, the original animator of the characters to post on Twitter how much he liked them, re- how they recreated all his animations. Oh, good. From the original game. That's good. Um, so approved by the, by the original Rare guys. Really now the rumors game. are BK is coming to Switch. I can get behind that. Like, yeah, I mean, I would yeah, not be surprised. Like, but I, I think thought, it's crazy how much they've incorporated the rest of the franchise. I mean, they do that. I mean, Persona had that too. Yeah. Like, they do a really good job, kind of like you know, covering, really covering the whole the whole. I mean, spectrum. Even Grunty under the rock, yep. like it's awesome. But I like it also because, like, I mean, Smash Brothers. I feel sort of got away, has gotten away, or at least sort of drifted from the idea of like the original idea was sort of like 
all the best of Nintendo, all the Nintendo stuff in one place beating the hell out of each other. And now it's sort of like, okay, there's a guy from a game that's not even on the system. Right. Cloud was not even on the system, yeah. for, on the Nintendo system when he showed up. But like, putting Banjo-Kazooie in there like makes it feel a little more like that sort of complete history of Nintendo, like up there on that Smash Brothers select screen. Uh, so I like that too. But also that trailer, I love that trailer just because it's playing with you so hard and I like the kind of twisted sense of humor Sakurai tends to have about how to mess with expectations when it comes, and but but also give you what you want in the end. Yeah. So uh, that crazy was crazy seeing that Microsoft and Nintendo link up happening again. Yeah. I mean, it looks like the first of many. Yeah. They're bros. Forward. They're bros now. So, uh, so yeah, this was this was at least the most uh, the trailer that kind of kind of like. Uh, Made me the happiest. See, I, I thought when this trailer begins, I thought it, it was going to be another 2D Donkey Kong game from Retro. For a second, I was I worried. I literally yeah. screamed no at my computer <laughs> screen. I was like, no! Like, just no! like that. <laughs> right, what did you say? When you said that, like it, was, it showed like Donkey Kong like, yawning and yeah, snoring. Yeah. <laughs> and then they showed the silhouette, and I was like, okay, all right, it's Banjo, totally Banjo. For a second, I thought, but when King K. Rule popped up, I was like, okay, well, they're all hanging out together. They've got to be Smash Brothers. Ah, uh, I didn't think about that. I saw K. Rule, though, and I'm like, it's, Donkey, it's another Donkey Kong 2D game. Right, well, that was my initial thought. I was like, oh, my God, is Retro actually doing another? <laughs> but once I realized, oh, no, they're all hanging out together, so this has to be Smash Brothers. No, no, Matt, Retro's just doing nothing apparently i guess it, it uh, just does nothing it just goes to work and like plays solitaire and then goes and catches no they don't play solitaire they're playing whatever they're playing they're playing poker up somewhere with wb montreal and rocksteady games because yeah, yeah. no one's with all the other studios that do nothing yeah. it's crazy uh my pick for best trailer and i think everyone in, in their mother's going to disagree with this but this is my favorite trailer from e3 2019 and that's blair witch I know, Matt, you hate Blair Witch, the movie. I don't. I loved it. I thought it was a great film. I actually can still watch it, and I feel like it holds up. But beyond the fact that I do love Blair Witch, what I liked about this trailer is while you and I were watching it live, we guessed like three or four different franchises. Mm-hmm. We were like, oh, is it like Layers of Fear? Is, like, we just went on this string. I mean, of we're like, partly right, because it is the people who made Layers of Fear. Right, right. But um, Which is why I'm interested in this game, because of those guys do good stuff. Bloober, I think Bloober, Bloober Studio? Team. Bloober yeah. Team? Bloober Team. Mean? Their stuff is always crazy. They make much atmosphere. scarier games than you'd think a team called Bloober Team. I know. Be. All their games are scary, like terrifying, though. Um, and then, so we were watching this, and it looked good the whole time. We just couldn't quite yeah. figure out what it was. I thought it was some kind of Outlast spinoff. Yeah, it could it could have been. Because with the camera, like, Outlast uses cameras so much. Right. And then the scene happens inside the... Yeah, the the staring at the wall thing. Oh, it's Blair Witch. It's so. Isn't it funny how that has become like iconic of Blair Witch though? Like it's literally the only shot I remember from that stupid movie. Well, it's the last shot of the movie. Right. Well, because the only thing that it's the payoff is like guy standing in the corner, like to like yeah, that's what I remember. But as soon as they show that, we were both like Blair Witch, and they do the. Well, you were Blair Witch. I was like Blair Witch. Yeah, I I, I I really liked the first film. The second one, not so great. Yeah, all the follow-up stuff is terrible. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it's, good. It's, uh, but the first one, I loved it. I mean, it was really groundbreaking at the time. The way yeah, I mean, I at least and, uh, I mean, I saw Blair Witch, the first one in it was like a preview night screening at midnight at, in Palo Alto at, at the Palo Alto Cinema there, and uh, oh my God, the people in that theater were crazy. Like, I mean, it was it's one remember? of the most rollicking like horror movie audiences I've ever seen. Like people were so into it. Well, you remember there was like, 
It depends on when you went to see it. If you went to see it really early, some people still thought it was real. Right. And then as it was in theaters for a while, it kind of spilled out that, no, this was all acted and it's all fake. Also because, like... You, you can't release a movie where people die in right. it. Like, yeah. that's, not a, that's a snuff film, and we don't release criminal evidence in, in, the, theaters. in the theaters. Yeah. Um, but there was but a wave was, for a while where oh, people yeah. were, I mean, like, confused. That was confused. part of the ad campaign was yeah. they were trying to make you think, like, wonder. Like, yeah. similar, to, similar to The Matrix that same yeah. year. Like, the whole idea of, like, what is The Matrix and kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, that, I mean, that was the thing at the time. Those kind of ARGs in their infancy almost. Um, but, no, I saw it was, it was the week before it went wide. So it was everyone in the theater was it was still early. It was it's the, still like maybe it is. The backlash hadn't started yet. Right. You know, it yeah. wasn't popular enough for people to hate it because it was popular. Right. I just didn't like it because I didn't like it. Yeah. But like the that audience was so into it. Like oh yeah, it was like a roller coaster ride. It was a good experience. I mean, I wouldn't have traded seeing it that way because even though I didn't like the movie very much, I did enjoy the experience of being with everybody, in that audience with everybody watching. freaking out all the time. Yeah. But um, Bloober Team needs something like this. Like. Yeah. Attaching a license onto the stuff that it's already been doing, I think, is a really good idea. Because I feel like they've been flying under the radar. Like, Observer, that's a great game. It is. Um, yeah. But people don't really give it a chance. And now that it has, like, a license that most people probably know, although millennials that, probably don't know what it is. It has but. a license, and it was prominent in uh, Microsoft's conference. Yeah. So I think that'll help. Absolutely. So anyway, I know you guys are probably sitting there saying, oh, my God, Shane's crazy. Here's trailer XYZ that's way better than that one. It's my pick. Uh, up next, biggest surprise, and we do have two different picks for this. Matt, mm-hmm. what's your pick for the biggest surprise of E3 2019? Um, I mean, there were actually a fair number of surprises yeah, this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the biggest one is Keanu Reeves as Johnny Silverhand. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just the big news coming from the, the yeah. show in general. But, like, that like is... Like, Michelle, I mean, my wife asked me about that. She's right. like, wait, so Keanu Reeves is in one of these games? And yeah. I'm like, yeah, one of, like, the best game. Just not a thing I would have thought... Keanu Reeves would do. No, it seems so um, out of character for him. But it's the year of Keanu. Yeah, well, uh, yeah it is. It does he's seem in like to be that way. six movies this year. Yeah, it's crazy. He's even in Toy Story. Yeah, I know. Um, but he's, he's also, so, so he's playing Johnny Silverhand. Is um, he also plays a lot of characters named Johnny? Have you noticed that? Yeah, that's, that's um, true. <laughs> he, so this this is actually a, an established character in the cyberpunk RPG. The cyberpunk RPG. He's a singer. Uh, he's like a celebrity. And there are rumor there have been rumors in the kind of the, the fluff of this game that um, he's dead, and uh, it looks consi- so apparently he's going to show he lost up an arm. You. Yeah, well, he's, well, he <laughs> he hasn't had the arm forever. Oh, uh, okay. Like that's he's named Silverhand because oh, he's got this, duh. And, he, and um, <laughs> but he uh, he's apparently going to appear to you as sort of a hologram ghost thing throughout. Like you see, he's kind of sort of glitchy in, in, yeah, this, yeah. in this shot. So the the implication is that he is dead, but he's alive in the net or something uh, like that. Okay. But I, Do you I think, think he's gonna have a big part in the game. Yeah, he's like your your like buddy. Oh, he's, really? He's, he's, supposedly he's gonna be like kind of your conscience almost, or part That's of your scary. part of your. Uh, <laughs> Part of your your constant, you know, it's like, like your AI. Is he like telling you like you need to go over here now? Yeah, I think he might be something like yeah. that. Or like um, you remember in Darksiders when Mark Hamill played that that like black like ghost monster. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, yeah I do remember that. I think he's gonna be like that. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, yeah, and it also makes you wonder like who else is gonna be in this movie? In this not movie, who's else is gonna be in this game? <laughs> yeah. There could like, be a ton more cameos. Look, there's, I'll tell you this much. If I'm a celebrity that normally wouldn't do a game and I see that Keanu did this, I'd be I'm like, like hey, maybe can I, I get should in? return that phone call. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's time to call Dave Bautista and, or they haven't already, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal or like, you know. Well, plus it's like, 
he was like treated like a god at, oh, at E3. Yeah. Like it's crazy Everybody how like loves Keanu. I mean, I love him too, but it's like it's just I, I was shocked at like how big the story became. Everybody loves Keanu. Gigantic. I mean, that was one of the stories that made does, it to all the major. He has fun stuff. He's in good movies, and he's a good person, and yeah. there's no like weird, creepy scandal stuff that pops. Yeah, he up says he him. like won't touch women. Yeah, like he's <laughs> probably a smart move right he now. He loves dogs. Yeah, he's like, what? What can you say? What, what's there to not like? Yeah, I, I like him. He's but good, I, yeah, Bill and Ted coming out next yeah. year. Like, I was still surprised that it went so big. But that's what happens when you bring him out on Microsoft stage and there's like 5 million people yeah. watching. So, yeah, of all the surprises, I'm like, wow. I'm, if you told me that, if you leaked that ahead of time, I would not have believed it. Yeah. I would have been like, that's, you're just screwing with that. Like, that's <laughs> stupid. Like, yeah. why, would, why, would, why would Keanu Reeves be in a video, a cyberpunk video game? Like, Made by some team in Poland. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just like, it's like, why would he do, it's like, that, it's like it, yeah, he was in The Matrix and Johnny Mnemonic, why, but why would he want to, like, you know, do yeah. something. But here it we are. It just doesn't seem like he would want to at all. Winter Keanu is here. It's crazy. Uh, my pick for biggest surprise of E3 2019 is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 or the sequel to Breath of the Wild, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my biggest surprise, even though I did say that I thought it was going to be shown. Yeah, uh, I've been saying that that's like the obvious, you know, using the assets from Breath of the Wild to make a quick sequel is kind of the obvious move for this for a long time. Yeah, but you were saying that they were going to show a, a Mario game and not Zelda. That was my guess, yeah. And so this was a guess of mine that I got right, so maybe I shouldn't be that surprised. The, the other a possibility for me was showing Scarlet, but I had also predicted that was going to happen against what everyone else said, and that came true as well. But this was, of those two, this was the, the one I thought was less likely to happen. Like, I, I kind of agreed with you. It made sense that they would show a 3D Mario first. I guess it was Mario just because Mar- I think Mario was probably easier to easier. do. Easier, yeah. Um, but I mean, who no. knows how far out this is, but... <laughs> and then, you know, also it's a pleasant surprise because, one, the trailer's freaking awesome. The tone mm-hmm. of it is freaking great. I love that it's basically showing you in a dungeon. Yeah, dungeon is encouraging. Like, do you think that that's some kind of a subliminal message from Nintendo that, hey, we're going to give you what, you what you wanted? I don't think that's subliminal at all. I think it's like Overt. Straight, up, straight up saying, like, hey, this, you're going to go in stuff in yeah. this one. Um, I also love there was a viral tweet that went around about it was like just a little script format. It was like it was uh, Zelda saying, "Oh, Link, you're back early," and it's like Link's basement's haunted. <laughs> she's like, "What?" And and Link Link getting on a pony and loading a forty five pistol. Basement's haunted. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I, that feels familiar. I don't know what that's a reference. I think it's a reference to something. But like, like I was like, yeah, that per- perfectly sums up this trailer. And like, I also like somebody who was it? Somebody on some podcast or some live stream show like IGN or or Game Informer. Somebody said that um, uh, Zelda has protagonist hair. She got a haircut. Which yeah. like, because she got a haircut so her hair didn't clip through her outfit. Right. When you run around. That's and, a good point. And like, and I thought that was an excellent point. I yeah. wish I could remember who said that. I was, I was on one of the shows, one of the shows that was going around, on one of the major outlets, I think. But um, Now she looks like the lead character kind of from funny. Nino kind of funny? too. It might have been kind of funny. <laughs> I don't know. But they said uh, protag- they had protagonist hair, and I'm like, totally. That's like, right. Yeah. So I think there's going to be a co-op element in this. Yeah, I believe, I believe that as well. Trailer looks great. Yeah. Looks darker sure. even than Breath of the Wild. Yeah, well, pe- I, yeah, I, I do feel like, I know they're not calling it Majora's, and it's not related to Majora's Mask, but like, Zelda spinoffs get weird. They do get weird. Like, yeah. I, mean, it's, I uh, like that, though. So I'm looking, I mean, look at like the, the, the desiccated Ganon there, like freak. I mean, not for kids. Nope. I mean, although they're gonna play it. They're gonna play it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, 
No, I like every, I like everything I saw on that. It looks hot. When do you think we're gonna actually play it? Two years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. They said next year, right? 2020. Yeah, I'm I'm saying 2021. Like yeah. March 2021. I think it'll probably be like the Switch's swan song, like the last big game that Nintendo releases for Switch or before they move on to something else. Eh, maybe I don't know. The Switch might last a little longer than we think. Possible. But why, why move I mean, on will, if you don't have but to? But I just don't think Nintendo will be supporting it as much then. I think they will. I, th- I think as long as things keep selling 10 million copies for no reason, like why, why mess with it? Yeah. Like I think I think they can you can squeeze a lot more out of it, especially if you do like a Switch Pro and a Switch Portable and like you know like if you keep kind of the the choice there for the various things. I, it's doing just fine. It sure is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, don't rock the boat until you have to. Yep. All right, we've only got a few categories left. In fact, there are just three remaining. Next up, a dubious award, most disappointing at E3 2019. Matt, what did you pick? Uh, Avengers. Avengers. It's. Uh, I thought about it, but I don't think it's as bad as like people are making it out to be. It's not as bad as people are making it out to be, but it is the biggest disappointment because it didn't need to be what it is. Yeah. I'm not disappointed in it because everybody's down on it. I'm disappointed because... That sure isn't the Avengers game I wanted or would have made. Yeah, um, I don't. I think everyone agrees with you. Yeah, just I don't. I don't. I just don't. I'm not gonna go and say it was the worst game at E3 or whatever. It's yeah. just like, you know, I was hoping for for a game that could match up to how much I enjoy those movies, and instead I got like a thing where I'm gonna be like, well, I guess I'll play it, but I hope we see some some shifts, some turnarounds, some maybe not a 180, but I'll take a 90, like, like somewhere yeah. in there, you know, like. They're also missing, like, the, the sweet spot for releasing this game. It's like, you need yeah. to strike when the iron's hot. It's not coming out till next year. But now I'm glad because yeah, it's now like, it would have yeah, just been. Maybe you just yeah. need to delay it till like, next fall. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we if I wouldn't we either. I mean, more. that was a catastrophic showing. I mean, you yeah. can see it on the faces. We talked to some people at Patrick's party who were working on yeah, this. Yeah, they really weren't ready for that response. Nope. Nope. And Although, one of them was kind of a jerk later on like you can tell it's like affecting them yeah like, although you know what like when i was there for my the demo on thursday um like the front of the booth was plastered with best of e3 stickers like like tons you gotta of realize though there's like nine thousand publications at e3 but i mean like real publications like, oh really you know, ign had one there really like, so the, like there were real names like that's best of e3 stickers up there yeah, I mean, some of these publications will basically give an award to anything to get their right. logo on a box, to get their little ribbon on the side of whatever. Like, I mean, if you if we if you cite the Avengers as your most disappointing game, technically, it's still part of your best of E3 coverage. Right, that's true. <laughs> Put that on the box. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my most disappointing game was not the Avengers. Um, I chose something that's uh, an Xbox exclusive, kinda, and that is Battletoads. Mm-hmm. You said you saw somebody play this, but you didn't play it. No, I didn't play it. I mean, it, it, you're seeing it right here. It, yeah, it, this is what it looks like. Um, you can, I didn't pick this because I, you can't be disappointed in something you have no expectations for in the first place. Yeah, I'm not a Battletoads fan. I'm not either, and I think the original game isn't good. I think no. it's just notorious because of how difficult it is. I mean, it was also, I mean, it had some really interesting ideas for the time, like the idea that you fight that first boss from the boss's perspective was yeah. sort of never been done before. But it just, I didn't find it fun to play once you got past a couple levels and we're just up against, like, 
you know, the auto, difficulty. The auto scrolling like jet bike thing where it's like you got to memorize every single obstacle yeah. and that's just not enjoyable. This is one of those games that has become rosier in people's memories than it deserves to be. And uh, I would say I will say that like the new Battletoads, they try to make it like Battletoads. Like you can see there's the elements there, mm-hmm. but just the core gameplay is just so boring and it's like the the beat 'em up part of it is just not fun. It's yeah. so basic that all the little stuff that they sprinkle in to be like, hey, look, it's Battletoads, it doesn't matter. It's like irrelevant because the core of the game just isn't very fun to play. Um, we waited a long time to get a look at this game, and now that we get a look at it, uh, the way I look at it is like, this is way below what I expected for as long as this game has been in development. And yeah. for it to just be like a 2D like side-scrolling game, like... I don't know. It's even dis- weird, like, like so, the, like, they're all their names are because of the old, like, like wives' tale or whatever. That, like, if you touch a toad, you'll get warts. Right. Like, is that even a thing people? I don't say think anymore? people even. Yeah, like, I don't think millennials have ever heard that. Yeah. <laughs> when we were growing up, it was a thing, though. We're I remember like, hearing it. Don't touch a toad, or you'll get warts. I mean, I didn't believe it because it wasn't <laughs> true. But it's like, I mean, I remember understanding why they named them that. Yeah. And like, I wonder if that's even. I don't know if millennials even touch animals anymore yeah <laughs> you can pretty much write battle toads off now after this i don't know I, how you bring it back after that um i don't know it'll be okay. i mean like i said at the uh, when we talked about the press conference before if i need some beat em up action i'm going to go to streets of rage 4 yeah which looks a lot a lot better in general and also looks a lot more true to the original source material than that does absolutely also i like the original source material for that yeah as opposed to battle toads yeah it's a good way to sum it up all right, our next to last category, and this is a new category for this year, Best Publisher. Mm. I don't know why we've never had this before. We should have had it because basically with this, you're answering the question, who won E3? Right. And we've never had it. Like, I, it, just today, I, like, it wasn't even in here until today. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, we could answer who won E3 with a category in our awards. <laughs> like, it's so obvious. So, Best Publisher, we yeah. both chose the same one. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to break the, one of the seals of the apocalypse on this, <laughs> but like, I think Nintendo ran away with this. Oh one. yeah, Nintendo like, destroyed E3 2019. Like it wasn't even close. No, uh-uh. Like Microsoft had a chance to. Yeah. But, but then you go to their area and you're like, wait a minute, like where are all these games? Like, yeah, and, and, all, and like, but Nintendo also like, not only was everything solid. But everything was so immediate. It's oh, like, yeah. Like you're looking and say, oh, when does that come out? Oh, like in oh, four weeks. Yeah, like, yes, yeah. When does that come out? Oh, three weeks after that. Yeah. Like, there's, something, you know, there's something of note on Nintendo's release schedule every month to the end of the year. Oh, yeah. And it's exactly how it should is be. And like putting it, like, it's, yeah. isn't, it's selling it short, basically. Like, there's a big game mm. every month coming from Nintendo. Like, even if you're not into it, you have to acknowledge And that's with Animal Crossing game. getting pushed out. Still, yeah. It still has that kind of a lineup, and you could just see it there. Like, even the third-party stuff that was at Nintendo's booth, it all looked good, it all played mm. well. A lot of it was, like, exclusive. Like, yeah, I, uh, Nintendo showing was amazing. Uh, Microsoft had the ability to beat Nintendo, but... You go to their thing, and it's like they have Age of Empires 2 on the stage as, like, one of the five playable games. Hmm. Gears 5 is just, like, this weird multiplayer variant. Like, they had the Forza Horizon Lego expand. It's like, really? This is the best stuff you got to show for E3? Couldn't do it. Couldn't hang. So Nintendo, hands down, wins E3 2019. Yep. From both of us. And now, 
It's time for the biggest and most important award of our Best of E3 2019 awards, and that is Best of Show. This year it's a game. Next year it'll probably be hardware. My guess. Yeah, maybe. Unless there's like a particular standout game for that hardware. Yeah, or unless the hardware is a complete unmitigated disaster. That too. <laughs> Which is possible, you never know. Uh, but our, our pick for Best of Show, and Matt and I agree, is... Cyberpunk 2077. It, it, like, it's like you said it at the beginning. I was going to hold that line until the end of the show, but you said it right at the beginning. Like, until this game comes out, it's going to win every category that it qualifies yeah. for. So you better hope it comes out when it says it's coming out. Because otherwise, next otherwise, year... Because otherwise, next E3 is just going to be this again. <laughs> I, mean, I, wa- look, I wonder what CD Projekt will show next E3, because they're going to have to have something new. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point, actually. They haven't put out, like, a trailer for anything new. I mean, Witcher yeah. 4, I guess, would be next in line. Witcher 4, like, you know what? I still think they should remake Witcher 1. That in, wouldn't be a the, bad in call. The Witcher 3 en- in the Witcher 3 engine. Yeah. They were going to remake it as White Wolf for 360, and then they shelved the project. But I think you should remake the first one, because the first game, as much as I love it, is just not something I would recommend someone play today. Uh, so get it up to that par. Witcher 2 still works. You can bundle Witcher 1 through 3 all in one thing and sell it as, like, a trilogy bundle for, like, 10 years. Yeah. Like, I think that would be a good thing moving forward to do. Yeah, I mean, and, oh, this game is, like, in a class of its own. I mean, it's like, was there any game that was even close for you? Like, Watch Dogs Legion got kind of close for me. Yeah, but just not, I mean, and yeah, part, but it's of, clear, part it, of this is, is pedigree. Part of this is just, like, Witcher 3 was so great that, like, anything these people do has my full attention. Uh, but the, this looks like it destroys The Witcher 3 in pretty much on every front. Like... For me personally, anyway, I'm way more I'm interested go, in the story and the world. And I'm not going to go that far. Um, I def- I absolutely cause the, will. Because The Witcher 3 was something with the characters I'd been invested in for many years. Um, but I think... Even the so cop I, who showed up yesterday to clear my car so I wouldn't get arrested if I drove it around. We were talking about RPGs and I was like, well, do you like The Witcher 3? He's like, oh, that combat's so clunky. I was <laughs> like, you're a cop. Like, even the cop knew that the combat in The Witcher was kind of trash. This game, it has no weakness. Like, I still don't believe... I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced on the shooting in this. You'll see. It's not even just good shooting. It's shooting like you've never done before. Like, you can bank your bullets. Like, it, it's the, whole, the whole game is just aces. Right, but did you play it? No, I mean, I watched them play. They I, won't let I, anyone play. Right, that's what I mean. Like, I, there's, there's a difference between a controlled demo and how it plays when you get your hands and you're trying to do it yourself, and I'm not super convinced yet on the shooting. It's the only part of this X game factor. that I have any kind of doubt on. Yeah. It's awesome. Like, I'm, I'll be glad when it's out so we can stop giving it awards. <laughs> like, I yeah. bad, but it just deserves it. Like, there's no other game I could even think that compared to it at the show. So, there you go. Cyberpunk 2077, best in show at E3 2019. So we're going to open up to questions for you guys right now. If you have any other questions, I know we did a ton of Q&A during our live streams during the week at E3, uh, but surely during the week stuff has popped up that you want to ask us about. Uh, A couple reminders. Uh, First of all, our sale, our flash sale, our E3 flash sale on our t-shirts ends tomorrow. So Sunday night, end of like midnight, our time here Pacific, so like 3 3 a.m. Eastern, uh, the sale is going to end 40% off all our new shirts right now. They're down to 15 bucks. Um, and again, that's over in a little over 24 hours. So if you want a shirt, you might want to head on over there and get it now. Uh, the sale has gone very well. 
So thank you all very much. You guys bought a lot of shirts, which is great. Wish you had bought them at full price, but I'm not going to begrudge someone for looking for a deal. So uh, I'm just glad that we got a lot of the stock uh, out of my bedroom where I work. <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff will get shipped out this week. Uh, another note, I am taking Monday off. I have officially worked the last 23 days straight, and I'm taking the day off on Monday. Um, another thing, tomorrow I am on a live show with a bunch of our old friends from Tech TV. They have a brand new network called twit.tv. Oh, it's been around a long time. It has been, yeah. And I guess, like to me, it's new. It's basically a continuation of Tech TV. Yeah. And I am on a show tomorrow at like 2 p.m. Pacific. And I'll send all that stuff out through my socials so you can come and watch. It would be great if you guys could come and watch the show because there's a chance if it gets a nice bump in viewership that they may make it like a segment where I go on more frequently. And that's great promotion for Sifted. So if you guys are having a lazy Sunday and you don't have anything to do tomorrow and you want to hear me talk a little bit more about E3, uh, just keep an eye on my uh, Twitter feed and uh, I'll send out the links for that. And hopefully you guys will come and join. And even maybe jump in the comments and be like, this Shane guy knows his stuff. You should have him on every week. Good luck with that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, after what happened with my car, I think anything's possible. Seriously. Like, it has opened up the whole world of possibilities to me. I mean, what people did on Twitter for it, the fact that I found it. Like, those are two things I never thought would ever happen that did mm. in one day. So Three things. Well, my car getting yeah. stolen from E3. <laughs> yeah. right, that's the third one, yeah. I'll always have yet another E3 story to tell. Yeah. Another one to just add on to the pile. So, all right, let's get to some questions so we can wrap up E3 2019 together. And there is a ton. Um, oh, Snub Barracuda. By the way, Shane, so glad you got your car, dude. Thank you, man. I can't even... I, I'll never be able to explain the feeling of when I saw my car. And I saw a Z, like, parked on the street, and I was like, that's just a Z. It's not mine. And then the headlights hit the license plate and just, like, this jolt of adrenaline. It was crazy. Like, I was literally high hmm. for, like, two hours off of adrenaline. Like, I went home. I didn't eat all day yesterday. I could not eat. I was just sick, and just I just couldn't do it. And, like, I was shaking, and, like, I've never felt like that from just natural body chemicals in my life. It was crazy, and it lasted for, like, hours. <laughs> Um, w. Matthew, which platform are you planning to play Cyberpunk on? Feels like the console versions of that game is going to run like crap. Why would you say that? I don't know. Because it's a game from CD Projekt Red, and The Witcher took quite a while before they got it running good. Um, no, I mean, it, it ran pretty okay on... Well, no, because it ran pretty okay on Xbox One X when that came out. But, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably play Cyberpunk on Xbox One X because uh, I don't think my existing PC is really up to that game, and then I will replay it on the new system whenever yeah. one of the new systems comes out. <laughs> I pretty much play everything on PS4, so I probably will play I'm not, I'm not If gonna, I had an X, I would obviously play yeah. it on X. But I'm not going to wait for the new systems to play it. Me either. crazy. Heck no, man. Hell no. I cannot wait to play that game. Uh, J. Reed Vic 7 with graphics and services having gotten to such a great place. Uh, slow transition to 4K TVs and 4K content, cross-gen releases, and the rumored high price tags for the next Xbox and PlayStation. Is next-gen console gaming going... This is a really long question. The next-gen console gaming going to be the most, the most hobbyist it's ever been? Not just in year one, but in general. Um, do non-hardcore players need the power of PlayStation 5 and Scarlet? 
largely to continue playing games they're already playing and on mostly 1080p televisions. Um, I mean, you would think that would be a thing, but people buy way more expensive phones with only moderate upgrades, so I think that's what they're betting on. It all comes down to price. It all comes down to marketing. It all comes down to convincing you that this is the thing you need. Yeah, but if that thing that you need is $600, that's a tough sell. The phones cost more. Yeah. Like it, if you people can, have accepted though that phones cost that much. Yeah, well, this is now it's the time to, to convince people that consoles that's cost how much that console much. upgrades <laughs> cost. It, really, it is. I mean, that's it's not it's not like a simple task, but that is what they're going to try to do. In pa- this Pac believes that whatever the price ends up being, they're both going to be priced exactly the same. That seems likely. So you're going to have to make a choice, basically. Which software do you want to play? Or if you're rich, you can buy both. But. Uh, or buy the first one and buy the other one later, but you know. I mean, they're also, also like, saying, what do you want to play? What do you want to play at launch? Really? Like, yeah, I think they're also saying too that this is at least this is what Xbox says. It's going to be the biggest graphical leap, like since Xbox to Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. If that is true, which I don't 100 percent believe it, but if it's true, then you have your selling point. I mean, if you're talking about a jump to uh, you know real true 4K as opposed to sort of the checkerboarding or the the you know the, the variable variable resolution we have in a lot of the, the parlor now, tricks they've been using until now, ray tracing, you know, all that stuff. I mean, it could. You, it could be that visually. It could be that. We'll see. I mean, that's the funny thing is like I think a lot of those graphical tricks are more important than resolution. Certainly, HDR has had more impact. Oh, yeah. on, on, on the visuals for oh, me. Oh, absolutely, and ray tracing and having even bigger effect. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So yeah, it could be. It, they, they might not be exaggerating that. You know, depending on what they have to take. I hope it's of. true. Yeah. I hope to God it's true. Uh, but to answer your question, no, I, I don't think any of that's going to happen. Like, I don't think gaming like on PS5 and Xbox Two is going to be this hardcore only thing. No. Like, never underestimate the draw of the thing that is the thing you own and like that has a one higher number on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes sometimes. Uh, Justin Horman, what at the Xbox briefing do you think made the biggest impression that you're like 100% sure would have been on PlayStation stage if they were there? Uh, Dragon Ball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's blatant. Yeah. <laughs> almost, anything, almost anything Na- Bandai Namco. How crazy basically. is it, though, that like Dragon Ball was on stage, but like Call of Duty wasn't? Yeah. That's weird. bizarre, man. That's yeah. nuts. I don't know. Like, I don't even have a theory on what Activision does anymore. Yeah. I mean, honestly, any Japanese game. Yeah. That was shown during... Uh, yeah, Elden Ring would probably have been yeah, PlayStation. Yeah, would absolutely been PlayStation. I mean, it's from software. They have, like, they're all buddy-buddy with PlayStation. So, I think any Japanese game would have been on... Tales uh, of Arise. Yeah, like, any of them. Yeah. Anything Bandai Namco, basically. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the one Geo. Do you think E3 might be going away for a few years if publishers keep leaving the show? What, E3 going away? I didn't hear the beginning of that. Uh, do you think E3 might be going away for a few years if no. publishers keep leaving the show? E3 is a business expo. Like, it's never going away. The only thing that would go away is sort of the media circus surrounding the floor. Uh, and right now, I don't see why you'd, that would go away because... People will still pay to get in, and the ESA still wants their money. So uh, I said this. I think it was during my ask Shane anything. It would take like floor. a like a twenty thirty thousand attendance drop next year to make that happen. Yeah, I mean the ESA gets like eighty percent of its annual revenue from E three. It will fight tooth and nail to make sure that that show does not go away. Um, 
Could it be, could it step back a little bit? Possible. I mean, I'll say this, Pack is pretty tied in with the ESA and the publishers. And almost everything he's ever told me about the ESA has ultimately come true. And he's told me a lot of stuff that he hasn't shared with you guys, he hasn't shared with other people publicly. And it's all pretty much ended up coming true. So if Pack tells me that the new head of the ESA he likes and the publishers like him, then I believe it. I believe that the publishers mm -hmm. like the new head of the ESA. When he tells me that because of that, they want to find a way to mend the fence and get E3 to a place where they want to be there, I believe that as well. So I think there will be due diligence. I think people will be dedicated to make it happen, and I hope that it does. But yeah, it's definitely not going away. Even if the ESA eventually just makes it like E for All was, and it's mm -hmm. just a show where anybody can go, they'll do it because they have to do it. Because if they don't, they're no longer an organization. They have no money. Right. So. Yeah, and I think in some level, eventually the industry is going to step up a little bit. Like, if it really starts to pinch the ESA's pocket, these publishers know they need the ESA. The ESA has to be there to lobby for the industry and government. Well, so, there's, two, there's two ways you can go with it. Either they need the ESA or the publishers decide they need a new organization right. that is not the ESA that will be better than the ESA. Right, which is so. why, though, they've the president left and they brought in a new mm. one. And from what Pack was saying, it sounds like the guy who got the job was one that the publishers knew already and were, wouldn't, wasn't pushing for him, but were happy when they found out that he mm. was the one that got the job. So, yeah, I mean, maybe way on down the road, but not in, in the near future. Justin Horman, a twit with Leo Laporte. Yes, absolutely. That's the show I'm going on tomorrow. Um... I can never read the light green on white. It looks like it says something Martinez. Um, should I pick up a switch now or wait for the switch or wait for the switch? That's Eric Cartmenez. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't read the green on. Oh, you have black background there. Mm -hmm. That helps. Um, I don't understand this question. Should I pick up a switch now or wait for the Switch Pro? Oh, it looks like it says iPro. I think it does. I assume oh. that's a typo. Oh, okay, I thought he was talking about some kind of Apple thing that Nintendo was doing. No. Um, I mean, you don't know that Switch Pro's coming. Nobody knows that. Mm -hmm. There's rumors swirling again, but they were swirling before E3, and it never happened. So, I mean, if you really want to play game, they're, the Switch games, sure, like, you should get it now. But if you want to wait for, like, Luigi's Mansion 3 mm. or well, the Switch Pokemon Pro thing, Sword and Shield. I mean, I think those leaks were legit, but it sounds like whatever that Switch Pro idea was, it's A, not a huge upgrade, and B, looks like it slipped to next year. So unless you want, I mean, if you're interested in playing stuff right now that's already out or coming out soon, why not? Yeah. Um, I mean, the longest I would probably wait is until like, I don't know, Pokemon Sword and Shield came out. That mm -hmm. would be like the breaking point for me probably if I was like waiting to buy a Switch. Um, mm -hmm. Once you get to that point and you have it, they haven't announced like the Pro or the Pro isn't at, and that's the other thing, Nintendo announces something and it's out like a week later or two weeks later. So don't take this as a sign that they haven't announced anything, that that means it's not coming until like next year. They could announce it in a, in a direct next week and it could be available that day. But Yeah, they get, do a pretty fast turnaround on like hardware revision and yeah. stuff like that. So if you get to a point where you're like at the deal breaker point where you're like, I need to play Pokemon Sword and Shield and I don't have a Switch, buy the Switch. That's what I would suggest. Mm -hmm. Um... Doo, 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 doo. Lord Xerxes, with E3 done and over, do you think Sony will have any conferences this year 
you talk about PS5 or wait till early next year to blow the lid off it? I think they'll wait until next year, but I think we will hear about it at some of like their whatever their direct equivalents. I don't remember what they call their directs. Oh, um, state of play. State of play. Uh, I think they will probably mention stuff, but I think they're gonna their state of play is moving forward will be probably related more to Death Stranding and Last of Us Two. Yeah. Um, if they're gonna like really show the 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 system, I would expect they're gonna wait until next year. I mean, Microsoft basically announced the same exact specs. The only thing that it added that Sony had not announced for PlayStation 5 was optical disk drive. Well, I don't agree with that. That's, they, we don't know any specs on Xbox. What do you mean? We don't know specs. We don't know how much RAM. We don't know the speed of the CPU. We don't know the, the speed of the G, GPU. We don't know any of that stuff. So we don't know specs. We know. Well, they said it's, what, five times more powerful. And if yeah, you well, just do the math, it works out to basically the same But you can do power. that math five different ways. Like, it, does, it, it depends what it's doing, depends well, I'm sure what it's that, processing. I mean, what... Like, yeah, but... but we, no. we know, when we they know say detailed, that in public, they're talking about teraflops. We all we know, know that. We know detailed It's specs. just like the Stadia. When it says it's X num, they just multiply the teraflops. Whether that's the right way to do it or not... That's up for debate, but that's what they're talking about. It still doesn't give us anything compar- it does, compared, compared to what Cerny talked about, which was in detail. They gave so us we more don't... information, but he's basically telling you how many teraflops the system's going to be, and it's basically almost exactly what yeah, PlayStation Yeah, there's, t- there's more to there whether is, they're going to be equal to that but that. We don't know anything about what You're getting whether... too caught up in semantics. It's not a semantic when it comes to what, how things, something's going to perform one way or the other, because if you looked at the, kind of the vague specs in that regard about the previous two systems, you'd also think they were mostly equivalent, but the Xbox One definitely was not. No, so, no, the processor on Xbox One was way weaker the than... Problem, no, the problem with the Xbox One was the RAM was too no, slow. No, but the processor was also way slower than PlayStation 4. Yeah, but like... Everything. It, but you wouldn't have thought that the, the performance differential was that noticeable until we really saw it working together. So you can't... I, I'm waiting until we see some actual numbers on what this, this Scarlet thing is pushing before we start talking about them being equal. I think the only thing we can definitely say they're equal in is price. Yeah. And uh, that's by necessity, not by... But the good costing. news is that Microsoft announced that it was going to have an optical drive in Scarlet. And that is a big deal because now you can guarantee there's going to be an optical drive in the PlayStation 5. I think there was always going to be. You, were, you can't ditch physical media yet. There's just no way. I don't think it was that clear cut. But now we know that now both of them will have optical drives. We also now know that Best Buy will survive another five years. Well, probably too, too much of the sales of games come from Walmart for there to be no optical drive in the next systems. I think that Microsoft might eventually move to a SKU that has no optical drive like they're about to with the Xbox One. One thing you might want to do is go buy, I hate to say it, but go buy Best Buy stock. You think? Yeah. Because I think people were bailing on that stock, not all, 100%, but in part thinking that, hey, this is a dying business. They may not even have like disk drives. Like... Don't expect to get rich off of it, but I think you could yeah, probably make a nice 25% bump off of Best Buy yeah, over the next like year. Stock I look at right now is Nintendo because they dropped so hard on the on the new from shareholder disappointment on Animal Crossing. Um, there's going to be a bounce back on that. That's not going to stay that low forever. Yeah. So. Uh, next. Uh, but investors do not have the same interests we do. It's true. <clears> I I would it's dirt cheap. I would buy a couple shares. I'm just saying. Um, here's one from Walking Dragoon. How do you feel about Square Enix not knowing how many games Final Fantasy VII will be? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> like, what you... I mean, it's hilarious. And it's yeah. so Square Enix. It is. It's... <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, 
it, it's starting to feel like watching the kind of the disarray that happens at like Fox for the X Men movies with them. It's like, it's like, do you, do you know what day it is? Like, how do you not plan out how long your episodic game series is? That's a remake of a game that's existed for twenty years. Like, how do you not know how long that is? Like, it's so weird. Yeah, it's so strange. It's really bizarre, but it's so Square Enix. Yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> it's definitely on brand, <laughs> one way or the other. All right, here's our last one, and I want to answer Vincent's question because he has been an absolute madman this week curating. Again, excellent job, man. Uh, is Xbox putting out a bunch of mediocre games like Crackdown Three, Battletoads, and maybe Bleeding Edge? Uh, to boost Game Pass, going to hurt in the long run before next gen and the actual good games like Halo and Fable. Pactor kind of answered this in the latest Pactor Factor. Um, what did he say? Well, he basically the question was, is Game Pass Ultimate too good to be true? And his answer was yes, it absolutely <laughs> is. They're never going to make money off of this. But his, his point basically was, it's a Trojan horse to get people into the Xbox ecosystem. Right. And that's the hard part. I mean, the biggest struggle we've had with Sifted is getting people into the Sifted ecosystem. Once they get in, they love it. But it's like that for every business. It's like convincing somebody to change something that they've been doing over and over and over again is very, very hard. It's hard to break people out of their patterns. Um, so you've got to do something crazy to get people kind of out of the the squirrel wheel they've been on with the old model of buying games and into Game Pass. So his, he basically said like, it builds like social media buzz. It builds like a, he used a term for it, I can't remember. But it's basically just building up momentum for it so that other people look at it and they're like, it's viable. And then he believes mm -hmm. that as more money starts coming in, the offerings will get better. And it's kind of like a snowball rolling downhill until Game Pass just becomes like the default way to play video games. He, he just basically thinks they're playing the long, long game. Mm. Which Microsoft has theoretically always been doing with a slight stopover in set-top box territory. Yeah. But, uh, which is also the long game. It was just the wrong game. Right. And um, he's, that's, that's, that's what all he says is, like, they want to get out of the set-top box market. They mm -hmm. don't want to be in it. They don't want to be making hardware. Like, it's not really what they do. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, like, Microsoft is a software company and a services company. Yeah, which makes the... Xbox One OS even more inexplicable. Right. Yeah, it is. I'm. A, I gotta say, of of, uh, of all the next gen reveals that we assume we'll see next E3, the thing I'm most curious about is what that OS looks like on the <laughs> Xbox. <laughs> Me too, man. It's still so sluggish. Yeah. It is crazy. It's still awful. It takes forever Better, but to still boot. Awful. It, it's like. Well, sometimes it doesn't even recognize all the games I have installed. Yeah. Like it's it's amazing it's how bad it is. But you know what? I have a feeling that will be the least of their concerns. Yeah. Well, I, th I also think like that will be the first of their first part Updates of the project. And fixes. Was yeah. like I think you will see an OS that is like intentionally not this. Yeah. You know, so I'm I'm excited to kind of see what they've done with that and how they've decided to make us forget all about <laughs> the last like five <laughs> six years. Yep. All right, so that's it for Sifted's Best of E3 2019 Awards. Thanks to everybody on the stream, as always, for asking great questions. Someone just gave us money for Twitch Prime. Um, EOTL Gaming, thank you very much for uh, subscribing with Twitch Prime. Appreciate it. Um, as I said, the t-shirt sale at the end of day Sunday. Most people are going to be watching this on Sunday because you guys were out doing fun stuff on Saturday. Um, again, the t-shirt sale, the flash sale, and Sunday night at midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. So get the shirts if you can.
Um, I will be on twit.tv tomorrow. Make sure you follow me on Twitter to get an alert. And please come and watch and please comment uh, because it can make a difference for us if I could get on a show like that even semi-regularly to reach a new audience and get people to come and check us out. So it's been a great ride, Matt. Great E3, brother. Another one in the books. Thanks to all you guys. Without you guys, it, we would just be sitting here talking about games by ourselves, which we yeah. might be doing anyway, even if because yeah. <laughs> we just love it so much. Uh, I know a lot of people are down on. We probably wouldn't be just facing the wall. Yeah, yeah, we'd probably be sitting <laughs> over at your table or drinking a beer or whatever. But Playing uh, a game. Yeah, what a crazy ride this E3 was. I can't even really put it into words. But thanks for being along for the ride. It's been a great week. Uh, we do have one last thing, maybe that we should uh, announce yeah. before we go, though. Um, we do have a little bit of bad news. Actually, it's a lot of bad news. Uh, and that is that Sam is leaving our TriCaster TD. Sam is moving back to Boston to be with the rest of the mass holes again. Uh, he's, he's leaving Los Angeles to go back to Boston. Uh, this probably is the last show that he is going to be our TriCaster TD. Um, there's a chance we could slide something maybe in early next week, but I'm so dog tired. Like I don't even want to think about doing a show in like two days. Um, so chances are this is probably the last uh, time that Sam is going to be with us. Sam, actually, take the headphones off. Just leave the camera up and come over here and sit down. I don't have a mic. It doesn't matter. You'll be you'll be able to hear you on our mics. So I just want to say, Sam, you completely changed game face. Before you started running the TriCaster for us, it was a parade of people who kind of could do it, really couldn't, never knew games, and most importantly, never cared enough to get to know games. And you absolutely did, man. Like, when you came in here, you maybe could talk about one or two games, and now, like, you're just one of us. You really are, man. You're a sifter now. You went and bought yourself a console, and, like... You've gotten so much better at running the TD. I hope that everything you've learned working on Sifted with us can be parlayed into a great career out in Boston. And we're going to really miss you, ma'am, but good luck. You've been great. Thanks, guys. (laughs) If you can't tell, it really sucks. I'm really bummed. Mm -hmm. Um, We have feelers out now to try to find a new TriCaster TD. If any of you live in LA and you can run a TriCaster, hit me up. but yeah, so Game Face might be a little wonky for a little while until we can find somebody else. Uh, but we just want to wish Sam the best of luck and thank him for, for working with us. Um, you know, this whole time he's had another job and he's just done this because he liked it, I think. <laughs> I think you really have, though. It's, it's kind of something that you like to do and that you weren't doing at your job. So uh, just much love to Sam. Everyone wish him happy trails and safe travels back to Boston. And the best of luck once he gets back there to find a great job and everything. And you will. You're great. Um, And if you ever need a recommendation, there's a couple thousand (laughs) sifters that are ready to write you one. So thank you, Sam. Love you, brother. We're going to miss you, like, big time. Cool. All right. So that's it, folks. Get Get, get back to your... He's got to get back. Back in the seat. (laughs) So... Please bear with us for a little bit after this. It might be tough. Like Matt and I might have to like pre-record episodes and mm-hmm. produce them in post for a while until we find somebody else. Uh, we're going to do our best to try to uh, mitigate the loss of Sam as best we can, but it's not going to be easy. So we're going to really, really miss him, not just from a work perspective, but from a personal perspective too, because he's just a really, really good guy. So much love, Sifters. Thanks for your support over E3. Uh, it's, it really means a lot. Hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you next time.